<laughs> I'm doing five things at once. I'm like, oh, I got to hit the button. I know. I'm trying. I'm, I've got. I've got the message. Uh, the link going out to um, to even. Okay, we got. It. All right, cool. Hey, everybody. <laughs> we're Hi. Give, we're live. <laughs> Happy. We're live. Time. We're gonna give everybody a, a few uh, seconds moments to get um in here say hi if you're in here and you're in the comment section go ahead and say hello um we have some guests in our green room if you guys need to speak with us just like within the um confines of what's going on in the green room you can um hit that private chat button that's there for you guys um to chit chat um but you won't be able to hear each other until you're actually on the screen so if you're here in the comment sections, they haven't given us any numbers yet. So let us know that you're here. Uh, this is the Cannabis Closet podcast with Canna Queen and MJ today. I'm going to go ahead and read our disclaimer and um, and then, yeah. What's up? Did you get kicked off of Facebook again or you just enjoy us more on YouTube? <laughs> All right. It looks like... Um, all of our guests have arrived. Hi, Lisa. Okay. All of our guests are definitely in the green room. Uh, we can see you guys in there. We can't hear you right now because you're not on screen. But if you do want to chit chat with us, there's a private chat button there that you can chit chat with us. Uh, we're going to get started with our disclaimer and a little bit of bantering. Uh, we do have a guest host today from Missouri. It's going to help us out, kind of um, guide us in the right direction as far as like the best questions that Missourians want to know. Did I say that right? Is that correct, Missourians? Um, Anyway, so, hey, uh, it's about that time, you guys. You are about to get highly educated with the Cannabis Closet Podcast with Canna Queen and MJ. This is an adult content show with no limitations on subject, language, or actions. Opinions, views, and expressions may or may not be that of the hosts, their subsidiaries, and their guests. If you aren't sure, don't worry. We'll tell you. And if you're still not sure, you can take a good look at our faces. That'll probably clue you in. Uh, it's time to get this session started. So thanks for rolling up and showing up, and I hope you enjoy the show. Here we are. Woo, woo, woo. Okay. So we do have a guest host today uh, from Missouri. Um, she's going to help guide us with uh, some of the questions that uh, people from Missouri are going to have about our subject matter today. So I'm just going to go ahead and bring her on in and introduce her. A lot of you know her. You know we love her. Miss Marnay Madison, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, thank you ladies for having me. Very excited about this topic. Very pivotal information that needs to be discussed today. Yeah, absolutely. And we have some amazing guests on today that are really well versed in what's going on in Missouri. Uh, so today for our audience, um, we are going to get into um, what's going on um, with legalization in Missouri. Uh, there are a couple of proposals that are being kind of floated in Missouri uh, for adult use legalization. And uh, we want to talk about which one's best. Uh, we're, always, we're always on the side of the people, right? So we want to talk about the one that's best for um, the people in Missouri, the communities in Missouri, and, um, and, and, and how we can best throw our support into that arena. Um, because there are, uh, I was just kind of talking about this on my TikTok. I'm, t I'm on TikTok live to, you know, bring y'all over here. So if y'all are over there, come on over here. Um, it's solo.to slash cannabis closet 420 to find our links. We're on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook live right now. Um, 
one one of the things that's happened uh, with legalization in other states is that it's come through with some really poor um, regulation proposals, legalization proposals. And um, and the citizens said, absolutely not. We're not going to do it that way. And so then they failed and everybody's like, oh, man, you know, Ohio didn't pass. Well, Ohio didn't pass the first time because their regulations and their legalization included um, language that would have made it very easy to monopolize uh, Ohio in their in their programs. And so the citizens were like, absolutely not. You can't. Not, we want to work. We want to do it, too. We want to be in on it, too. Um, and so they they had to go through it again and they legalized the second time when they went through it again. Florida uh, medical legalization is another example of poor uh, proposal regulations, um, poor support for the first time around, too. And then when they came around the second time, they went ahead and legalized it. Um you guys are going to have choices. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be awesome. And we're, uh, I'm just jumping the gun here. We, we have other things to cover before we get into the main topic, but that is what we're going to be talking about today. I'm super excited about it. Um, we're going to have these conversations with every state. So, um, you were talking to someone earlier that said, Ohio, we haven't spoken to anyone in Ohio, but we have this information, you know, so, um, yeah, Florida, same thing as, uh, we, we everywhere discussions with, um, you know, get everybody involved. If you, yeah, if, if you're in Missouri today and you're listening to the show, really pay attention to what our guests have to say, because this is going to affect you and your community and uh, your ability to own a business and your ability to purchase and all of these things. It affects you greatly. Um, so, yeah, we brought Marnay here to talk more about it because she is in the community and in the cannabis um, scene in Missouri in Oklahoma as well. You have your clinic that runs in Illinois as well as Missouri. Um, you have a lot of things going on. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, thank you for shedding light on my uh, series of cannabis businesses. So yes, we are awesome telehealth clinic in three states now, Illinois, Missouri, and Oklahoma. But most importantly, um, being the executive director of um, the nonprofit now, which is a cannabis um, advocacy group, and we're focusing on expungement as well as education in the cannabis industry. So it's been really awesome working with the community in this particular space. Uh, so it's definitely been gratifying. Um, so most importantly, having this role, being able to um, guide and educate the patients and consumers on um, verbiage and legislation and proposed, you know, initiative positions um, and what that means with their particular roles in the community, right? Because we all individually need something and um, everyone isn't going to, you know, find the verbiage that is 100% for them across the board. But so being able to, you know, come to a cohesive agreement with the community and people in the community to uh, make an educated decision on what we should back is very important. So thank you, ladies. And thank to the cannabis podcast for providing the platform for all of us to speak about it for sure. You know how much we love Missouri. It's like our second home. So we, we talk on this show, we talk about Colorado and Missouri, the absolute most. The absolute I would most. say Missouri even sometimes more. Yeah. Than sometimes more. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, 
So um, let's just jump right into uh, our show notes. Uh, we have, let's take our moment in Black history and women's history real quick. And then, um, and then we'll introduce our guests. Um, so I have two uh, people I want to focus on today, um, just uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp. Um, she is, uh, was an American singer and guitarist. So in the 1930s and 40s, she transcended gospel into the mainstream. She used electric guitar, um, was the first to use heavy distortion with um, electric guitar, and um, was the like predecessor in the rise of um, the electric blues. So um, her influence on music and, uh, you know, and, um, and again, transcending those lines between gospel into mainstream and not having a, you know, she uh, started as a gospel singer, um, but she would go into the nightclubs and uh, play her music in the intent to bring light to the darkness. And so Sister Rosetta Tharp, look her up. She's amazing uh, music and a uh, you know, amazing woman. So, um, and then I also wanted to highlight Sidney Poitier. Um, he was, uh, you know, he passed away in January at the age of 94. And he was um, one of the first, um, he was the first black uh, actor to win uh, or to get an Oscar. And it was an honorary Oscar. Um, and that was in 2002, but, uh, he what? was, um, oh, sorry, sorry. no, 1964. Oh, okay. Um, I was uh, like, sorry, uh, that no, 2002 was, um, Halle Berry and, uh, um, Denzel Washington won their Academy or or awards and um, that's down here in the article. <laughs> um, he was um, the first black man to win an Academy Award as best actor for his role in Lilies of the Field. Um, what I was looking up or what also made me look into uh, you know, just him and more was actually, um, I think some TikTok influence or something I saw um, that he actually influenced uh, his, his uh, physique, his character changed the way that uh, black cartoons were drawn um, the way that black cartoons were depicted uh, characters in comics. So because um, the European Easter, everything uh, Asian influence, they, they drew from, American um, art, and it was awful. And so Sidney Poitier, actually, they, you know, changed the way that they depicted um, Black cartoon characters. Um, After over- seeing him on screen? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I couldn't uh, representation matters. I couldn't find Sorry. it again, like the specific <laughs> of it, uh, you know, in here. But it, it just, uh, you know, some more noteworthy things. He was knighted by um, Queen Elizabeth in 1974. Um, he, uh, Barack Obama, awarded him the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2009. Um, again, he just paved the way for and and only took. Uh, roles that um, avoided stereotype and um, was in favor of progressive characters that um, projected the goodness, uh, dignity, and decency he epitomized. So that's from the cleveland.com article and um, just really, again, some more amazing um, points to read about him um, if you you are not. That man was also beautiful (laughs) his whole life. his, His whole life, he was beautiful. Like, I never saw any depiction of him not being beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, just even like as he grew older, he uh, just gorgeous, a gorgeous human being. So absolutely. That's amazing. Awesome. Well, uh, let's get right into it. Let's uh, bring in our guests. Um, I've been talking, (laughs) I'm going to bring this guest in first because we've been talking about trying to get him on the show forever. We have lots to talk to him about. This is not going to be the last time you're going to see his face. So let's bring in Ethan Thampy. Hey. Hi, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. Um, can you introduce yourself to our audience? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I'm one of the people who started the uh, legalization movement in Missouri uh, back as far as 2009. I've been involved in every kind of iteration of uh, this effort since then. Uh, In 2015, I became a registered lobbyist. I'm responsible for getting agricultural hemp legislation filed in 2014 with uh, State Representative Paul Kurtman. Um, And then... Uh, over the last few years, we've had uh, success at advancing medical marijuana, uh, expungement uh, legislation, and a couple other related issues uh, uh, through legislative pathways. This year, I'm working with uh, State Representative Ron Hicks from St. Charles to advance uh, pretty much uh, um, well, What Americans for Prosperity, which is a national group uh, they called uh, our legalization bill the strongest and most free market bill in the country. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got five weeks left in uh, this year's session of the Missouri General Assembly. So hopefully we uh, put something on the governor's desk. Uh, so we did uh, send an invite out to Ron Hicks, but I, I'm not sure that he's going to have time to join us. But he does have the link. So if he can join us, uh, we'll, we'll bring him in. Uh, but he is the sponsor of HB 2704. Is that correct? Yep, he is yep. actually on the House floor right now. They're in they're in session. Okay, so no, he can't join us. <laughs> He's got more important things to do right now. Cool. Um, and then let's bring. Um, I'm going to bring Kyle in too. Kyle, are you ready? I can't see your face. You're ready. Not ready. Looks ready. Ready. Okay, he's All ready. Right. Hi, Kyle. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Um, for do you want to? Do a quick introduction. Yeah, I'll keep it real brief. Uh, I'm Kyle. I'm a, a, I was Army veteran. I got involved in, I'd say, 2015, late 2015. I got involved, in just generally speaking, into the uh, concept of you know, uh, furthering innovation. Um, and my journey kind of started there just as uh, someone who wanted to get involved on a volunteer basis when and where I could. I've gone up and spoken at, at the Capitol before in support of different measures. Um, and I, you know, I did petition for the medical marijuana campaign um, pretty heavily. I'm not involved in any efforts currently. I'm more so just a concerned citizen lending this voice to the conversation today as well. Perfect. That's an important uh, perspective. So thanks for being here. Um, you are, uh, I'm going to mute you uh, for a minute because I see that you're kind of going in and out, but yeah, cool. Uh, next guest that we're going to bring on is Christina. Hi, Christina. Hey, how's it going? Can you hear me okay? 
Yeah, we can hear you perfect. Uh, can you introduce yourself to our audience? I am Christina Thompson. Um, a lot of you guys have seen me on Facebook. Um, I've been doing videos trying to promote awareness about legalization in Missouri, what it looks like. Um, you know, I'm with the group Show Me Can of Freedom on Facebook. And again, you know, our goal is essentially just promoting education and making sure that people understand exactly what is going on in Missouri with the legislative option versus the ballot initiative, and especially that they understand the truth behind the ballot initiative. Cool. Okay. And then let's go. I have to scroll down a little bit. And then we also have Tim joining us. Hi, Tim. Hello. How are you? Good. Glad glad to be with you guys. Um, can you tell us about yourself and how you're involved with this uh, and these initiatives? Sure. So about a uh, little bit after the time that EPEN started in 2012, I was frustrated that um, we we didn't get on a ballot for anything. And at that when they when they started, they were looking for legalization, not just medical. Um, I decided I went with a ballot initiative. And then since then, I probably filed more than 20 ballot initiatives and had campaigns on um, four of them where I've collected tens of thousands of signatures for exactly what House Bill 2704 represents. Full legalization, uh, removing cannabis off the list of controlled substances, uh, releasing prisoners, uh, expungements, all the all these good things that we all want. We all know we want. Um, I've been collecting signatures for, so I never really was. In fact, I was, um, I'm not going to say almost, I was opposed to the medical marijuana being um, sort of seg segregated, let's say. And everybody was really frustrated. Hey, man, you, you're, uh, um, we need to take these baby steps. And look, we've had 86 years of baby steps. We're done taking a, a, uh, baby steps. The entire United States, literally, I shouldn't say entire, but the majority of the United States for this. And um, so... Finally, after losing enough times, because when you're doing ballot initiatives, not many people, um, you don't have a special interest want to back you up because unless the ballot initiative is like the medical or like um, uh, legal Missouri 22 right now, it's all the dispensary owners that want part of this. So it really is. It's a pay to play period. End of story. Um, so I gave up on my ballot initiatives and then we've every, every year we seem to have some kind of legislation filed, but this year, it was more promising than anything, and um, I decided to put all my efforts towards that. So we've been doing lobbying and um, just putting on events and um, rallies at the Capitol and things like that. Just to and between, I have the Missouri. I'm sorry, I didn't introduce myself right. Um, Timothy Missouri, Timothy Gillow, Missouri Marijuana Legalization Movement, and my organization has sixty three thousand members with an average of twenty three, twenty five thousand people that are active each month in that. So we have a huge following, and that allows us to to interact with all the rest of the organizations out there throughout Missouri and um, and between Aitman uh, um, and Christina and a few Mark and a few others that um, we've all um, collectively have got the rest of the state behind us and pushing this ballot initiative. Pushing the legislation. You me, I spoke a lot. <laughs> pushing uh, the legislation, Timothy, just to. Uh... Yeah, so, not the ballot initiative, the legislation is what we're pushing. Yes, so, okay, yes. So let's, Thank you for clarifying. Let's, yes, um, let's clarify this. Let's clarify the difference between uh, the two. Um, let's, I'm going to go um, back over to Epen. Um, can, uh, can you give us some clarification on 
Uh, not right now. Oh my goodness. Um, can you give us some clarification on HB 2704? And then um, Christina, can you follow that up with what legal Missouri is all about? Hang on a second. I think I lost you. Okay. Can you guys hear me? I can. Yeah. You said, Christina, follow up with what? Okay. So I'm going to have Epen uh, tell, tell us about HB 2704. Um, and then if you could follow up with, uh, what is legal Missouri all about that, okay. that would be the ballot initiative, right? Okay. Um, cool. Uh, let's start with Ethan. So, yeah. Um, so I'm working with uh, former or current, excuse me, state representative, uh, Ron Hicks. He's a Republican out of, uh, St. Charles in Eastern Missouri. Uh, he has a background as, a uh, in law enforcement and also, uh, uh, working for the Navy uh, in the past. Um, he is arguably the most pro-cannabis Republican in our House of Representatives. Uh, you know, we have term limits here in Missouri, so uh, Representative Hicks is in his eighth and final year as a member of the House. Um, in the last uh, couple of years, I worked with uh, uh, Representative Hicks on expungement legislation, which we got out of the House in 2019 uh, with, uh, I think, a little over 100 votes. Um, and then in this year, or excuse me, last December, uh, governor Mike Parson here in Missouri said, Hey, um, I would like to see this issue get dealt with by the legislature, uh, as opposed to a ballot initiative campaign. So, uh, representative Hicks reaches out to me and I, we begin putting together a big piece of legislation. So what we did was there's probably 10 or 15 different bills that have something to do with cannabis that it, or filed uh, over the last couple of years. So we took uh, expungement legislation, banking legislation. Um, uh, you know, there was a bill that was filed that said uh, the, the aroma of cannabis can't be used as a probable cause for a warrantless search. You know, there was uh, legislation on labeling. Uh, there has been a couple of bills on just outright legalization. So we took every good piece of legislation, kind of tweaked them a little bit, and uh, put them into one big package, so we have a very comprehensive piece of legislation. The big, the big idea that we uh, uh, wanted to um, promote was we don't come from a perspective that believes that the uh, uh, market should be controlled or essentially planned by the government. So we oppose the idea of license caps, um, and that's really been the big controversy over the issue in, here in the state of Missouri is uh, the license caps that were uh, implemented with the medical marijuana program that was established by ballot initiative. So uh, Representative Hicks um, established, uh, he filed a bill that has uh, no, you know, no artificial barriers to entry. Uh, and that was important, not just in terms of uh, we want Missouri to be a state that protects opportunity for entrepreneurs and innovators, but uh, also, I'd also point out that in his uh, opening statement presenting the bill in a committee hearing a couple of weeks ago, Representative Hicks made particular mention that the uh, when you restrict the number of licenses and keep people out of the market, oftentimes you um, sometimes uh, you know uh, sometimes by design in, in some of these uh, other states, but. Uh, certainly, uh, by effect, you keep uh, entire groups of people out of out of uh, the market, and that's particularly true of our black and minority communities. Okay. So um, that's been a very particular focus. I believe there are 
you know, in the state of Missouri, there's probably like two black owned um, marijuana businesses and one of them's owned by an out-of-state group. Um, so, you know, and we had 2,300 odd applications in the medical marijuana licensing program and 85% of them got rejected. So there was a lot, there's thousands of people in Missouri uh, and we're a big state. We're an agricultural state. You know, we have uh, um, a lot of ability to craft an agricultural product and get it to a global market. And right now Missouri is missing out on that. So mm-hmm. um, we have a good bill. Um, you know, we're kind of in process right now. We had a couple of hiccups in a committee hearing last week, but um, nothing that we can't deal with, you know, and it's, uh, I think we have the support that we need to get, get, that we need from the lawmakers to get this to the governor's desk. But the trick in the legislature is really navigating the process. And um, like I mentioned, we only have about five weeks left. So uh, we got we to gotta make some things happen. And I got to say, we've had tremendous uh, support and outpouring from uh, grassroots Missourians. Um, this is something I think the people of Missouri want or showing that they want. So, uh, you know, very grateful to Tim and Christina for their work to uh, inspire and mobilize uh, ordinary Missourians on these issues. Um, awesome. That was a great and very detailed explanation of what that bill is going to look like. Um, so what is, uh, Christina, what is the difference uh, between that and what's going on with Legal Missouri, which is the ballot initiative? Okay, so uh, just just to be abundantly clear, um, one of the biggest differences between a piece of legislation and a ballot initiative is the interaction that we need from voters. So a ballot initiative requires signatures, and then it will ultimately go on the ballot in November if it gets enough signatures. Whereas a piece of legislation, it does not actually get voted for. If citizens want to make their voices heard, instead of doing it in, you know, at, at the ballot box, they do it by contacting their legislators right now. So um, that is a huge difference. I just want to make sure that I clarify that right off the bat, because we've had a lot of people asking, how do we support um, HB 2704, the Cannabis Freedom Act? Um, Many people do still believe that it's something they will have to vote for, but that is not the case. If you want it to happen, you need to call your legislators right now, especially your senators, and let them know that this is something that you want. So... um, there, there are so many differences between the Cannabis Freedom Act and uh, Legal Missouri 2022. Um, it's it's, it's kind of difficult to figure out where to start. Um, I would say that the most important thing about it, in my opinion, is the expungement provision. Um, Legal Missouri 2022 has been attempting to promote their ballot initiative as a great way for people to get expungement but that is not actually accurate. Um, they claim that it offers full expungement for people, but on, you know, on, on, on that same note, if you actually read the ballot initiative, I believe it is page 36, it says that anyone who is currently incarcerated um, has to petition for expungement and they may be denied for good cause. So it doesn't clarify what good cause is. Um, Again, Legal Missouri 2022 has been promoting this initiative as especially um, having automatic expungement that you don't need to petition for. But, um, you know, like I said, page 36. Page 36 says otherwise. So um, the Cannabis Freedom Act, on the other hand, says that anyone who has been convicted of a nonviolent cannabis only crime is eligible for expungement. 
You know, there's no, um, you know, crazy caveat there. You know, there's no judicial discretion involved. Um, that is huge, you know, to, to actually offer true expungement to people. You know, it's not right for people to sit in prison, you know, and rot away while the rest of the state, especially, you know, the rich people who are involved in the medical monopoly are allowed to sell whatever they want, you know? So um, Legal Missouri 2022, it is, it is a terrible option um, in my opinion. I think as well, you know, I've had a lot of people say, well, let's just pass this now and then we'll go back and we'll change it later. And that's not how a constitutional amendment works. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's a good idea. We were, I was just talking about this earlier. Um, you guys just let it, let it go and, and come back to it and do it right. Because it is so much harder to change what you have on the books than it is to put it on the book. Like once it's in there, it will be much harder to change those laws. So, so it, it's important to do what's, right in the beginning absolutely um, and then to and try to yeah go ahead Marnay. great great synopsis right but when we talk about house bill 2704 as well we talk about any um anyone inside the house or the senate um you know finding things or measurements inside of this um proposed uh, bill that may be you know put in place that they could amend at any time as well so it's really hard to combat these type of barriers when we are asking for what is the best option in the community so if anyone can shed light a little bit on how that works once a house bill is voted in as far as the cannabis legislation, how easy is it for someone who does not um, honestly care about the bill? How easy is it for them to come back in next session and manipulate things that we wanted inside of the industry? That's a great question. You know that. Yeah. So um, the difference between a legislatively initiative, uh, les le legislatively initiated piece of legislation and a ballot initiative is a lot about process, right? So with a, a ballot initiative, the challenge is finding the money to get on the ballot through a signature collection. And what you do is you have a special interest group that comes up with the language and they don't have to take input from anybody. So mm -hmm. the danger there is that you have, you're presenting voters with a kind of a take or leave it scenario. And if you have enough money, you can market it any way you want, including in deceptive ways. So that's what we've already seen in um, in, in my state is yeah. the legislative, the, the ballot initiative process being manipulated in deceptive ways. And now we have something in the Constitution that is uh, almost impossible to change. So mm -hmm. the difference uh, in, in what happens in the Missouri General Assembly is that um, you know, every every two years, every four years, we elect um, lawmakers who represent different districts and different areas of the state, and they all get together every year and they uh, come up with uh, ideas. And uh, some of them are crazy ideas, some of them are great ideas. Um, yeah. And they <laughs> them out, and they they vote them right. So you have the chance for mischief in both areas, and we've kind of seen that. And I've seen that, you know, my entire career in the legislature. Um, but I would say that uh, one of the things that has given us a lot of, I think, momentum is the fact that, you know, this year is is my eighth year in Jefferson City. 
Um, so a lot of the people who I met when I started working in the Capitol are now, you know, uh, in their fourth term as a representative or in their second term as a state senator. And so we've had a history and kind of the, had the opportunity to build institutional knowledge and uh, kind of watch, you know, what's happened over eight years, you know, or, or in some cases a couple more. So with the, uh, plus, you know, the process in, in the general assembly is designed to encourage and solicit input. So, Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to a ballot initiative where if you're not giving the guys money and they don't like you, uh, they don't have to listen to you at all. Um, but in the Missouri legislature, every single citizen of the state has a right to be there, has the right to be treated with respect, has a right, has a right to provide supportive or adversarial input. Um, and, you know, you don't always get what you want, but typically... Um, you get something that helps move uh, the state forward in important ways. And let me give an ex- a, a great example uh, that was just, just mentioned in a op-ed in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch by my friend, uh, uh, former Judge Chris Kelly. But if you think about a similar prohibition, which is alcohol, you know, uh, roughly 90 years ago, we ended the uh, federal prohibition on alcohol and the state of Missouri legalized alcohol. Every single year since alcohol was legal in the state of Missouri, there's been some kind of tweak to our alcohol regulation and some kind of tweak to, you know, how the state regulates and controls alcohol, right? Um, And my friend Judge Kelly pointed out, look, you know, cannabis is something that society, some parts of society really understand it, really know a lot about it, but most of society doesn't. So there's this whole process of education and we can't expect to get, you know, this whole puzzle, right. You know, up front, especially um, when, you know, you're presenting the voters with a kind of a take it or leave it, you know, ballot initiative scenario, you really have to have the flexibility to come back next year, two years from now, 10 years from now and say, okay, this kind of made sense, or at least there's consensus on this part of it, of this idea, uh, you know, when we, when we did it, but now we realize it doesn't make sense. So how can we uh, fix it? How can we make it better? Um, so, you know, what I, you know, like I said, you know, politics, you know, all human politics is in some ways inherently corrupt. Um, but I also believe that our system, you know, is designed to have checks and balances and ultimately, uh, you know, I think, I think there's, and, and, you know, Tim and Christina can probably tell you this better than I can, but, um, on this issue, the eyes of the citizens of Missouri are really uh, locked on Jefferson City. You know, a lot of people really want to get this right. And so one of the things that we've been able to leverage to kind of maintain pressure on lawmakers is that, yeah, there are some lawmakers who are probably corrupt, who probably want to want to screw us over, who probably hate the idea that we're uh, trying to advance. But because we have so much support from ordinary Missourians who vote, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of those people are getting put on notice. Hey, you know, you're you're trying to mess around with this legislation for political grant gain to advance your own career. Well, good luck with that because we'll see you in November. Yeah, you know? and Marnie, I would like to uh, I'd like to add on that. You know, because I if I understand correctly, your concern or your your question is based on you know where the uh, the accountability will be. You know, and what kind of changes can be made to this? You know, a constitutional amendment versus legislation. Is that correct? Mm, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, 
So just just to clarify on this, so um, the the Legal Missouri 2022 initiative it puts DHSS in complete control of what rules are promulgated under you know for, for this program. So under the uh, the legislative option, you have you know obviously our lawmakers um, serve as oversight, you know, and our lawmakers are accountable to the voters. Whereas with the ballot initiative op option, yes, it is written into the constitution which means whatever is written is what we're stuck with. But on that same note, DHSS, without any kind of accountability, really, or any kind of oversight, has broad discretion to make whatever rules they want. And a perfect example of this is that um, they have decided that under the medical program, everyone is allowed to buy six clones per year. Without any feedback, you know, from actual medical patients, they have arbitrarily decided that people that they, they've made a rule that says that people are allowed to buy six clones per year. Um, I have per no idea that I got that number. Yeah, per year, which doesn't make any sense to me because you know you would think that it would be at least six clones every three months, at the very least. You know, um, just based on growing schedules and flowering and all that other great stuff. But um, this is an example of something that was not written into the Constitution. Exactly. The Constitution doesn't put a limit on how many clones we can technically have, to my knowledge anyway. Um, you know, that, that amendment doesn't. But DHSS turned around and they made this rule. So legislators can make changes to legislation, obviously, but they are accountable to voters and, you know, they're in the public eye. Whereas DHSS will still have the ability to do these things, but without that layer of accountability. Does that answer your question? Um, no, so um, it definitely, I just wanted you to explain that to the audience. So okay, um, okay. being someone who actually has put in verbiage inside yes. of 2704, very familiar with the process. But what yeah. I want to explain is the reality and truth with the patients and and the community in the industry about how this actually works. So honestly speaking, we can't 1000% guarantee that anything that we either vote for as a ballot initiative or support our political officials in creating would be something that we the people and the voters will be able to call our own and at no point sleep at night hoping that no one wakes up to attack our program, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think the biggest part that's been left out of this whole entire conversation is in the bill, removing cannabis off the drug schedule. So no longer making it illegal, yes, I think, would be the, 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 the main point here. Well, um, and that's actually honest, great, great um, conversation to start, Tim, which is something I think we spoke about on a previous episode um, about cannabis just around the board on federal legalization. Um, we do not support it being something that should be, you know, controlled by the feds or the DEA. And yeah. if we remove that from the schedule uh, controlled list, then we can totally we totally alleviate this conversation. Right. Yeah. If yeah. that's something that is possible in Missouri, Tim, can you kind of give us a little more information about how we could set that infrastructure up here? Yes. Yeah, so I've, I've been on both sides. Of this. Again, so I I collected signatures for ballot initiatives. Um, and when I said that I was opposed to the medical, it wasn't because I'm opposed to, I don't want people to take it wrong, that I was opposed to medical patients. Um, when this this when this being formed in my organization for four years, I warned people that this, this is a monopoly because 
full control was put in the Department of Health and Senior Services, who is still currently under an FBI investigation. Um, this was this was set up with a cap on the amount of people uh, that were able to participate. Sixty grow facilities in the state. One guy can one person can own five of those. Um, if there's ever been a monopoly in any state, you're Missouri. You're looking at it. Yeah, but um, remember they changed that in the uh, in legal mo, so it's no longer just one person owning five. Now it's one one entity can own up to ten percent of the total number of licenses that are available. Right. And when, when we put this at the Capitol, the only people that were opposed to it. So when, when we were in committee testifying, we had we had 100 people there, hundreds of people there, 100 that got to testify in favor of the only opposition, mm -hmm. the only people that opposed the ballot initiative or that, that were for um, the um, 2704 for the bill. The only people that were opposed to it for, was the people that already had a piece of the pie of the monopoly, of the medical monopoly. And this, and, and that's why I decided to work a different, a different angle at this, and along with many others. And, it, and mm -hmm. you're stuck. Again, there's, there's, there's always some kind of problem to both sides of it. But the legislative way, when it's stuck in the sole hands of um, the Department of Health and Senior Services, who were given full authority to make whatever changes they wanted, that was very, very damaging to the medical. And and you are absolutely correct on everything that you stated. And we really appreciate you, you know, giving us um, a different perspective with you being hands on um, inside of the ramifications of everything. That's amazing. I see we do have a question from Lisa Hamlin, which Lisa Hamlin is a very awesome person inside of our Missouri community. Uh, thank you. She's the reason that most of like the, well, two of you are here. I already knew the other two, but she's the, she recommended uh, all of you as guests. And yeah. I was like, yes, absolutely. So thank you, Lisa. Thank you, yes. Lisa. Right, right on. And, and her question is, and I am totally for this, it says, is there any way that we can go to the Ag Department to run the program instead of DHSS, uh, which in certain states, you know, depending on how they have, you know, opted in their program, there are different um, departments that run their medical or uh, recreational uh, infrastructure. Um, I am all for seeing if, you know, our... Um, agricultural department is, you know, able to take on this responsibility and treat this um, as if we are talking about hemp, right? Um, because mm -hmm. this is the same species. Um, so I do believe that if we actually, um, if we actually utilize this um, plant and this crop for what it should have initially been, we talk about so much with industrial hemp and everything else. If we create this awesome, um, you know, agricultural initiative, right, that also ties into the industry, uh, we're able to talk about um tax rebate for um, eco-friendly packaging, you know, um, first three years, you use this industrial biomass, we are then creating um, help inside of um, what some people call craft growers or micro businesses, right? Because my community is very important to me. So when we talk about um, what is what those conversations are inside of legalization or the rec recreational initiative, uh, we are leaving a large group of people out, even in this conversation. That um, is number, that's number, my, one, my, one of my craft growers is the top priority for me, yes. for, my, for myself and the people that I believe that I represent 
in, with my organization is, is for craft growers. I love it, Tim. That's yeah. Um, we saw, you know, um, that great program rolled out in a lot of other markets. If we, um, you know, focus on that verbiage, we create an awesome platform for residents like ourselves to partner, you know, and have healthy relationships with people that may potentially be multi-state operators, right? Because we're not saying that, um, you know, you shouldn't be successful, but we are saying success should look like inclusion and not predatorial barriers or exclusion. Yeah, that's that's actually a, a, an excellent point. And one that, um, you know, personally for me, I've been trying to raise a lot of awareness about in regards to Legal Missouri 2022 and the equity provisions. Um, they have, you know, that's that's another thing they've been using to uh, to promote their initiative is that it creates micro businesses, which are supposed to um, give disabled veterans service uh, veterans who have a service related disability, um, you know, people who are from underprivileged communities, uh, disinvested communities, um, you know, just these th this particular group of people an opportunity to enter the market. But what they fail to mention is that these micro businesses are not allowed to do business with full size facilities. Yeah. So this this means and, and this is contained within the definitions of the initiative. So it's not necessarily outright spelled out um, It's something you actually have to read it to find out. And according to the definitions, full sized facilities are allowed to do business with other full-size facilities. Micro-businesses are allowed to do business with other micro-businesses, and there's no, um, there's no overlap. So that means a micro-dispensary that wants to get started is going to have to wait for a micro-cultivator to have product available before they can even stock their shelves. And overall, with the time frame, the delay in the time frame that we're looking at for getting started um, for a micro business to even be able to apply, we're looking at, you know, a delay of almost two years for these micro businesses to be able to enter the market. Once they do enter the market, because they're not allowed to buy stock from full size facilities, that limits the amount of stock that they can get, you know, because micro cultivators, they're limited to 250 plants. You know, so ultimately it creates this this horrible system of segregation within the market that prevents any of these social equity applicants from being able to succeed. It limits profitability. Um, and, you know, it, it just it, it also makes sure that none of these micro businesses can ever be considered competition, you know, for the full size. Is this in the. Uh, ballot initiative or this in the is ballot in, initiative? Yes, in the ballot, ballot initiative. Yeah, I don't like that at all. That's oh, all. No. That does not sound. I mean, why? Why the division? It just. Yeah, it's to is prevent. It, it's a monopoly. Yeah, it, it's a monopoly. They, these are the same people who did the medical monopoly. They just changed names. So yeah, they're right. they're the ones who are responsible for four hundred fifty dollar ounces. You know. Um, Oof, you hurt my feelings just that's now. Hard. Uh -huh. <laughs> Another thing that we need to shed light on, obviously, is the lottery, right? Um, oh, so with them being grandfathered in and then saying, well, the general population deserves this lottery, um, yeah. we again, eliminate the percentage of minority licenses because mm -hmm. we're not able to track the percentage and the um, participation of those mm -hmm demographics of people and yeah. if we um, correlate that to what happened in the medical program we talked yeah. about transportation 
licenses. That is the majority of black owned licenses in the state mm -hmm. of Missouri, which has been the least focused and the least, um, you know, um, support given inside of the rollout or the infrastructure. So mm -hmm. now most of those companies that have won licenses and did not have a transportation license have been able to transport their own product internally because of the lack of an infrastructure and transportation. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just across the board, um, something that the particular group of people that we have known to be one organization and now Legal Missouri 2022 um, have made it very clear that they want to control the market. You know, using this platform and so many others, you know, that to we keep controlling the market. Let's be clear to keep controlling the market. Yeah. It is the exact same people. Yeah, th this is the same problem I have with a lot of like social I'm putting in quotes. I'm sorry, I have to. But the social equity um, uh, programs that are that in, in, in a lot of states, this is a problem that I have. It 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 look they the social equity program looks like, hey, you can run a business in the cannabis industry. Come join us in the cannabis industry. Yes. But what it's really doing is like segregating the workforce, yep. right? It's like, yep. oh, well, you can't run a dispensary. You get to we'll be let the you janitor. Do security. We'll let yeah, you, you get to be the janitor. Yeah, there you, you know go. Thing? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. We'll let you be the driver. You could drive it. But yeah. you can't you can't grow it. Like that's what that's the biggest that I mean, are you kidding me right now? Yeah, and as Marnie said about the lottery, um, the, the the current okay. So the, the the way Legal Missouri 2022 works, it automatically creates the same number of licenses that were uh, available for medical. So there were 388, I believe, or 338 um, medical licenses that were created. It automatically doubles them, and for the first 18 months, only existing licensees are allowed to have any of the licenses that are created. They do not have to apply for this, this lottery process. Exactly. Only new people wanting to enter the market have to apply for this, uh, for the lottery. And here's another thing. So there's a, um, a voluntary, uh, um, I, I forget what they call it, basically a, a social equity um, plan that dispensaries. Oh, okay. What was yeah, that? I was gonna say, yeah, the voluntary, um the business plan of how you yeah. will include people. Yes, 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 exactly. However, wait, that, wait, that wait. plan. So explain this real quick. What does this say? Oh no, Christine is doing a great job. Okay, go ahead. Go okay, ahead. sorry. So, so essentially, so, so what it is, uh, the, the dispensaries and cultivation facilities, anyone who has a license, they're supposed to come up with this plan or they, they have the option of coming up with a plan where um, they, they, they have provisions or ways that they are going to help disadvantaged communities. That's basically what this plan is in a nutshell. Um, so it can it can involve, you know, hiring minorities. It can involve, you know, anything that that, that qualifies as, you know, um, assisting with disadvantaged communities, essentially. So the thing is, though, this plan, it's not mandatory. OK, the dispensaries can come up with this plan if they want to. If they do come up with it, you know, and it's accepted, it does become mandatory then. However, none of the existing licensees are subject to this. Exactly. So anyone, so not only do the existing licensees get first dibs on any licenses that come out, they are also not part of this plan to yeah. include disadvantaged communities. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, it's so not even a real thing. It's just like, it's oh, let's just. Nope. nope. 
see, um, and if we focus on House Bill 2704, let's talk about where taxation, right, where where the money is going. And that's what is, once again, very important to my community. Um, we will be, and we have been, you know, the most enfranchised, mm-hmm. the most underrepresented. Um, so our our overall focus is, okay, where, where do we see ourselves, you know, partnering with these industry owners and operators? Um, so being able to focus on taxation and seeing where the where the revenue is going is very important. I support the programs that House Bill 2704 have implemented to help the entire minority community, right? So we talk about a large group of, you know, um, Blacks, Hispanics, and Asianic um, groupings of people who deserve to be represented. And um, knowing that there will be, you know, grants put in place for small businesses that, you know, meet specific economic distress zip codes, but most importantly, making sure that we use that verbiage um, not to an advantage to, you know, manipulate the community, but to actually allocate these funds for mm-hmm. the minority community to have, um, you know, a proper advantage and to be successful. Um, so can anyone talk about some of the programs that are inside of House Bill 2704? That would be great, um, you know, for the community in regards to taxation. So let me let me uh, take that on briefly and let me kind of say that, um we had a very unusual thing happen when we introduced her bill, which is that in most states you see lawmakers saying, oh, 5%, how about 7%, how about 10%, you know? So they keep wanting more taxes. In Missouri, we actually had the opposite uh, debate. So we started with no higher of a tax rate than 12%. And I think uh, the committee that we went through uh, in the House actually brought that down to about around 4 or 5%. And the idea was like, look at. Actually, let me let me tell you kind of a funny joke. So a few years ago, I was uh, talking to a political consultant of mine uh, who was uh, in the California cannabis space, right? And he consulted to U.S. senators who wanted to uh, look to this industry for support. And uh, you know, he, he he calls me up one day and he's like, "Hey, man, how do you turn a California?" liberal into a conservative answer tax her weed at 40 percent you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know know, that's a reality because that's a reality because like uh you know you you have high taxes on it like you uh create space for um extra legal uh market opportunities right why should i buy uh go to why should i go to illinois and pay 30 35 percent tax taxation rate when i can go to Oklahoma and buy uh, something off the street for, you know, $500 a pound, um, no taxes, right? So Missouri actually had, a, I think, a very sensible approach to the taxation question. And, um, you know, we had a lot of, I, I think actually besides, so there's going to be two or three points of debate when this bill gets to the full house. Uh, the licensing issue is, I think, one of them. And mm-hmm. I'm, very optimistic about that because um, we have a very libertarian conservative majority, uh, I think, in, in Missouri that is opposed to government control of the market. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, I think one of the other really interesting debates is that we've had m- multiple, you know, you know, powerful, relatively powerful lawmakers step up and say, hey, it's a shell game to say, okay, 
we're going to say five, we're going to send, you know, 2% to the sheriff's fund and, and 3% to the teachers and, you know, a percentage point to, you know, this program or that program. You, we should just be sending all this money, all the taxation revenue to general revenue because we have a budget process that on an annual basis allocates where the state's tax revenue goes, right? So there's actually this kind of like undercurrent of a very sensible good governance question, which is, look, I can send 5% of this tax of, on this product to this program, but that just means next year in the budget, I'm going to say, okay, well, this program has all this funding, so we don't need to allocate anything because they already have this tax revenue. And so I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's really a shell game. Um, and it just makes more sense from certain perspectives to have a, uh, um, just, just allocate money to general revenue and let the ordinary budgeting process take care of that. Um, and I think I wanted to finish up here by saying, talking about, so, um, you know, we kind of had, ran into uh, some turbulence in our committee hearing, um, our opposition, which is the industry uh, lo- lobbyists, um, they yeah. wanted, they, they uh, tried to get, and they almost got a, uh, a license cap, that was a strict cap, that was um, essentially the medical marijuana licensees uh, in the, mm-hmm. in the industry right now would be basically control all the recreational markets um but thanks to other lawmakers in the committee you know we were able to catch that and first off we prevented that strict cap from from being put on in committee right um you know uh we worked with ashley bland Manlove. she's a democrat state representative from kansas city she's also the chair of the missouri legislative black caucus well she caught what the chairman is trying to do with this industry lobbyist and said, first off, you can't, you know, if you're going to drop a 20 page amendment on this bill with no one else having seen it, that was written the night before this hearing. Well, first off, that's not happening. Um, second off, we're going to at least double the number of licenses that you're proposing. Number three, I want, if there is going to be a license cap then for, you know, her community and, and minority communities around the state, you know, if you're going to, a restriction on what the market looks like for you you at least have an obligation to ensure that those communities have an op, have an opportunity to compete so she That's stuck a, a loan program in there that allowed for uh, minority and women-owned businesses in the industry to get state loans right mm-hmm. now like i said we kind of ran into some other issues in that committee with uh that with, with some lawmakers put on the bill but um you know, that was a committee of 10 people. You know, we're about to have a very public debate in front of a full House of Representatives with 163 uh, different individuals. So those dynamics look a lot different. Um, but I think that there is a understanding that like, look, either we're going to allow the market to function without government central planning, or if we're going to have some kind of restriction that on some aspects of the market you have to have uh you know some kind of acknowledgement that uh these programs um if if you create a barrier to entry of any kind you gotta at least give some some communities that have been um held back in you know in the past you have to give them a way to to compete i I would Um, like to touch on how that how that affected the uh um medical and the taxes real quick and i'll just throw this in here so what happened was there was 822 lawsuits 
that the Department of Health and Senior Services is still having to fight, mm-hmm. and all the money that was to, this, this taxes that were to go to the veterans. The veterans have not went right. The, mm-hmm. they, they've got they've got something, but they got half of it. Yeah, yeah. Even <laughs> do you know the numbers on how much uh, the 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 uh, the veterans did not get out? Of, how much how much okay. has the uh, Department of Health and Senior Service spent on? Um, lawsuits is what. Oh, I'm, right. And what kind north, of hoops do you have to jump through to get 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 anything? <laughs> yeah, somewhere north of uh, what six to eight million dollars on lawsuits. It was six six million last I heard. It was about six million. That's not for this year. I believe that was last year. Correct. Six million dollars. And it's going to keep going. Exactly. Yeah. And, but I mean, but and that's another thing that we should focus on is the same way that California started this social equity program, right? And they took so much money from applicants that they knew they weren't going to give a chance to mm-hmm. just to gain millions of more dollars. Wow. We just saw this in Illinois as well. So, Ethan, you made a great point, but I just wanted to kind of double back and, then, and just kind of uh, clarify that we shouldn't say that, well, since you're going to make these barriers, then you owe someone, you know, a better opportunity when you alleviate barriers to begin with. Because when we talk about um, Representative Ron Hicks creating this um, uh, bill, right, we talk about him stating that he he took this from Oklahoma's cannabis program. Um, and I say he took this from, but he, you know, um, correlated this and compared this um, infrastructure a lot to the Oklahoma program, where we all see this open market of free free licenses um, and leaving the people up to, you know, um, running the program, but also being the ones that have the opportunity um, to, you know, apply for these licenses without any of those barriers. So being able to pay $2,500, you know, not have to provide or show any capitalization requirements um, is, you know, a win for people, you know, from my community and like myself. So how do we um, you know, how, and, and, and that's where I am. How do we create language where we don't have to spend days creating programs to help people that we have excluded? Um, so, of course, we are very happy to have House Bill 2704, um, but how how can we as a state, you know, do better? Because right now we don't, you know, we don't really know if we're going to pass a recreational initiative or or house bill, right? Um, so well, are I'm gonna, go ahead. I'm going to tell you something right right off the bat. You know, like I think, you know, I'm just so proud and so inspired that you know Representative Hicks and uh, Representative Land Manlove and the other lawmakers really stood up on this issue, right? Because there is a strong group, a strong belief in the General Assembly that what happened with the medical marijuana program was wrong. You've had lawmakers, very conservative lawmakers and very liberal lawmakers, both stand up and say, um, you know, we're on the same page. You know, this program was, was, was created wrong. It created a lot of exclusions. Um, so I think there's a broad bipartisan agreement on this. And... Yeah. I'm very proud and inspired to see, you know, uh, Tim and Christina here kind of leading the grassroots to uh, the Capitol on this, because uh, for the first time, I think, in history uh, this year, the, 
you know, lawmakers, politicians saw hundreds, literally hundreds, and probably got thousands, maybe tens of thousands of emails from the people of Missouri saying this is what we want. So, mm-hmm. yes, right, I don't, I, I, I can't, I can't tell you that we'll be successful with getting this bill to the governor's desk. You know, I think we have a good shot. You know, we only have five weeks left. Uh, we gotta, we gotta make some things happen in a very short time. You know, we've got some barriers, but you know, I think our chances are pretty reasonable. But even if we don't succeed, we've had a impact, and the impact is that for the first time, uh, you know, th- these ideas are being publicly debated, publicly challenged. I think the people of Missouri have a strong viewpoint that you know, kind of looks one way while the, you know, some of the folks in the industry have a different view, viewpoint. And the best thing that we can do is really articulate that show, you know, we're the show me state. We got to, we got to show people, you know, the difference in these, uh, in these uh, viewpoints. Right. So we don't just yeah. have a, we don't, we just don't have a viewpoint where we want to pass our bill. You know, we're going to, we're going to fight and we're going to try to, uh, to, uh, undercut and undermine this ballot initiative because it's not what the people want it's paid for by a small group of crony capitalists and monopolists and a lot of out of state i think i might have lost you guys hang on you're you're still here you're still here we 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 all vowed together that if we don't make if we don't make the bill um we're still fighting um legal mo 22 all the way to the end absolutely all the the way all the way to to november and, um, and, I would, because and, I would say, and I would say, you know, it's not just that we're fighting this ballot initiative, we're going to fight this until November, but we've also created a uh, political pathway on this issue that is going to be viable in 2023 and 2024, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we came, we showed up, you know, we showed up, Tim and Christina led the people of Missouri up to the Capitol, um, and next year that movement is going to be 10 times more vibrant and more powerful. Right. And especially if we do a good job of uh, combating the ballot initiative, because I tell you what, you know, it's not just that we're going to put the kibosh on this uh, ballot initiative. We're also going to show up in state Senate races and state representative races and uh, everywhere where there's a candidate who's either been helpful to us or oppositional to us. Right. One thing I found out doing this. I'm sorry. One thing I found out doing this and doing the so I did a little bit of lobby in the past, but I found out that we had so much power actually walking into these offices, far more power than collecting signatures and hoping I got the ballot. Um, we yes, had, looking somebody in their eye. <laughs> and, and it being bipartisan as well. And the amount, what, how many, what's the co-sponsor difference, Stephen? Uh, oh, um, yeah, like 10 Republicans right now and uh, 14 Democrats on a Republican bill. And once we get to the House floor, I'm sure that's going to double easily. Yeah. So, I was so shocked every, everybody's when I saw in agreement. that. And yeah, this has shocked, never happened actually. in any. This has never happened in any state in the United States has it ever been brought up to remove cannabis off the controlled substance list that's ever, true. never. And that's and true. to make it to the House floor, that 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 speaks volumes. Whether the bill ends up passing or not, we've made it further than any state in the United States has so far. Right. To the ultimate um, I, goal. That's what we all. That's the goal that we all want together. Right. Um, the the I, I agree with you, Ethan. The first of all, this is one of the reasons I love Missouri. I love Missouri because of the grassroots efforts in Missouri. This is main reason why I fell in love with Missouri. I uh, I I 
I come out there so often. I keep coming back because I, I just love it there so much because of that, because there is a cannabis community and, and, you know, they're, you know, not everybody loves everybody else, but y'all work together. To we all get finally come what, together. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I really love about Missouri. It's, it's one of the first things I noticed is before uh, dispensaries, the, the uh, underground cultivators became mm-hmm. caregivers immediately. Like we're going to provide this medicine because <laughs> we have a legal right to this medicine. And now we, it's legal here. Right. But the thing is, you know, we're, we're actually still seeing that happening because of exactly. the insane cost at dispensaries. You know, exactly. um, well, yeah, well, one of the biggest problems, you know, is medical patients cannot afford their medicine right now under this monopoly. It costs people. It's, it should cost people about sixteen hundred dollars a month just for their four ounce limit, you know, that nobody can afford that, you know, it's not right. And so you're seeing, you're seeing, um, you know, the community come together, you know, behind the scenes. And I feel like, um, you know, unfortunately in 2018, our legislators refused to listen to us when we said that we wanted this, you know, they, they refused to listen to us in 2018. We ultimately ended up with this medical monopoly. So now they have the opportunity to get it right. And what we're trying to do now is impress upon our legislators how much we want this. And, you know, it seems like they are actually listening this time. You know, that to me is was the most striking part about getting involved in um, the legislative process is that the people that I spoke with were receptive to what I have to say. They may not have agreed, so, but they were receptive. Oh, they, no, they, see, think, they see more of their constituents. Um, taken taken apart so without their constituents their campaign contributions do nothing and that's that's what's been great about this is they actually see their constituents making a Mm -hmm. difference and you know um and how and how they might or might not get elected you know Um, know, i gotta i gotta point out real quick real quick quick. quick. sorry sorry um did you say you also have to roll out even is that what you were saying as well are we okay you're good okay um i think marnay you have to um go to another appointment um yes so thank you so much for being a co-host today you added a perspective that we absolutely needed there are questions that you were asking that we didn't even know to ask so we really appreciate your voice here um thank you're uh, welcome back here anytime as always we love you yes thank you it was so nice talking to you tim and christine and ethan i will definitely talk to you all very very soon yes please do all your hard work in the state. Thank you for all that you do. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you, Marnay. Um, real quick, we'll so take much. this. Uh, we'll take this quick moment. I'll be real quick about it. We're going to take a a quick uh, sponsor break, and we are the sponsors. So, um, this show is sponsored every day and always by Queen Kitty Seltzer. Queen Kitty Seltzer is ten milligrams of CBD. There is no THC, uh, no sugar. Uh, it's vegan because it's water. And um, also free of vegans. There's no vegans in here. No vegans in there. No vegans in here. (laughs) (laughs) Available for wholesale. Um, Look for us at Sol. Where is the thing? I can't find the banner. (laughs) Solo.to slash Queen Kitty Seltzers, where you can find all of our information and reach out to us. 
This show is also brought to you by CQLC Cannabis Consulting and Education. We uh, uh, were just approved this year for responsible vendor training in the state of Colorado. Uh, in the state of Colorado is a requirement for delivery drivers and hospitality workers in the cannabis industry to uh, have their responsible vendor training certificate. Uh, it is not a requirement for the rest of the industry, but it is a, a high recommendation uh, because it can be used as a mitigating uh, circumstance if you get like an administrative violation or something like that. It shows that you're putting initiative into your team. Uh, you can give us a call 970-426-5985. We are virtual. We are um, by phone. We are hands-on. We'll show up where you're at. If you need consulting, give us a call. And of course, this is the Cannabis Closet. You can find us at solo.to slash Cannabis Closet 420. Um, that's where you can find all of our links, including our Discord. Join us on our Discord. We're there almost every day doing a, a quick work sesh. So that's it. Thank you guys for that quick uh, sponsor break. Let's get back into it. Um, Ethan, I believe that you had a thought that you were about to share before we said goodbye to Marnay. So I will give you the floor. Yeah, so I, you know, I, um, I always kind of think about historically how uh, alcohol prohibition started and ended, mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the things that we're seeing right now is, you know, it's not just we're seeing a broad and very diverse group of people of ordinary Missourians voters coming up to the Capitol and and being advocates for themselves, their communities. I mean. We have an incredibly diverse state. I mean, we got the boot heel, which is the true South. You know, you got, you know, Germans and Italians in, in you know, St. Louis, Kansas City and, you know, kind of that, that swath of the, of the state. You know, you got the Ozarks, which are, you know, it's its own um, cultural uh, world, you know. Um, you know, we've had a lot of, a lot of this has been led by veterans and uh, veterans advocates. Uh, but one of the things I think I'm really seeing this year that is having a, a, a impact that I'm not sure is quite being understood yet, but we're seeing more women um, step mm -hmm. up as advocates than ever before. And if you yeah. think about- Holla. Uh, <laughs> if you think about how, you know, so like an alcohol prohibition, you know, not too many people remember alcohol prohibition was started as a women's movement. You know, the temperance movement was a women's movement because American women got tired and pissed off that their husbands, fathers, sons, you know, uh, brothers were all drunks. <laughs> That's just the reality, right? And then, uh, you know, a couple of decades later, um, alcohol prohibition was ended. Uh, it, it, was a women's, it was a women's movement that ended it because mm -hmm. uh, we figured out the only thing worse than alcohol was the violence created by the prohibition of alcohol. And, you know, you had things like the, you know, the mafia, you had Al Capone and his gang, you know, the Valentine's Day massacre, which shocked the conscience of the country, right? Um, because people were literally killing themselves over, over beer and, and whiskey and, and whatnot. That hadn't happened, you know, 30 years prior to that, you know, when, when you had legal alcohol. So, you know, the movement to legalize alcohol was a women's movement again, because women didn't want to see their husbands, brothers, fathers, sons, you know, die for booze, right? You know, uh, you know, so I, I, I strongly believe that that's the kind of uh, mentality and presence that we need to 
you know, f- you know, get this done. And, uh, and I think that's something I've seen more this year than any other year since I've been an advocate is, you know, like last, last week we had this, you know, 50 year old, you know, conservative, you know, mother, you know, who's got her own, you know, consulting business, you know, where she, you know, goes to, you know, medical patients house and bakes edibles for them. Right. And mm-hmm. she's coming up to talk to her very conservative, you know, state Senator who's like, you know, she sat there listening for 15 minutes and said, hey, you just blew my mind, you know? Yeah, um, yeah and I know, like, when, whenever, because um, I, I had started off helping, you know, more from the background, um, you know, I I just recently decided to come out, you know, um, and, and become a, a public voice regarding this. And one of the, the, the big reasons that I decided to do that ultimately was because I feel that women's voices are severely underrepresented in this conversation, you know, we have a lot to add. Um, we, we sit back, you know, and watch how things are unfolding and, you know, we have a right to speak up. And I think that, um, there's still a lot of stigma, especially with mothers. I've had a lot of mothers reach out to me privately because they don't feel that they can publicly get involved. You know, they're concerned that even though it's socially acceptable to say mommy needs wine, it is not socially acceptable to say mommy needs a joint, you know, um, and that that is extremely unfair. And that's something, you know, that the Cannabis Freedom Act provides is protections, you know, um, just 100 percent across the board. Parents, people who are on probation or parole, their right to use cannabis is protected under the Cannabis Freedom Act. You know, under Legal Missouri 2022, you have to follow whatever rules are set forth in, um, you know, their their initiative. But the Cannabis Freedom Act provides across the board protections for people like that, you know, and for women, especially who have suffered, you know, the loss of children, you know, the children are taken away from them because of cannabis use. You know, this is something that that we have a right to speak into. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to stand up. We, we need to um, to make our voices heard about this and to let people know this stigma, this this unfair reefer madness um, idea. It's time for that to end, you know. So so I mean, this- so here's a question. Here's a question about that particular uh, the the bill. Um, the, I'm sorry, the, the house legislation, um, is if, if the state, so it would just to be clear for our audience, if Missouri takes it off of schedule one, it's off of schedule one in Missouri. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's just on the state level. Missouri. The rest of y'all, the rest of y'all need to, um, to hassle the, mm-hmm. you know, president of the United States to sign the legislation into law. Um, yeah, this is all on a state level and only on a state only, level. Yeah, we all, cannot do anything on the federal level, unfortunately. Cannabis, yeah, all cannabis uh, state programs are only legal in those states. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, my question on expungement is um, when we ha- and I and uh, I know that even uh, we've talked about this. We just want to really prepare for this show to have this conversation about expungement. Um, but, uh, when we have had a conversation about expungement, um, previously, uh, one of the, one of the hindrances, uh, with the programs that are in place now that are out there trying to help people, um, get out of jail. Um, one of the hindrances is that, uh, the, the people serving time are impossible to find because there's not like a list 
where you can find mm-hmm. these individuals. Um, some, some, like there has to be like a, a family uh, interaction in order to help find the individual in this facility that they're in and start the paperwork and start the whole uh, process and routine, getting them an attorney, all that stuff. So with the house bill, um, how are you circumventing that, that issue, or is it not an actual issue, but, um, but something that the government can like get around that issue somehow or whatever? Like, how is that? Well, I mean, that is probably the, one of the harder parts of this, because like you said, you know, not all records, even in the state are digitized, right? We have different circuit courts that all use different procedures for maintaining records. And then you have the department of corrections. I think the department of corrections does actually have a handle on, um, uh, the population it, it incarcerates right now that are, uh, solely due to cannabis offenses. I know that there've been lawmakers that have inquired specifically about that. Um, we're working with the governor's office to, uh, attempt or to propose a, uh, systematic clemency protocol for those uh, individuals who are um, either have a conviction on their record or or are currently incarcerated. Um, And the bill that we have uh, worked on uh, with Representative Hicks calls for automatic offender release um, once uh, once the governor has signed the bill. Um, And so we want to make this as efficient and as as, uh, systematic as possible. so, yeah, I mean, uh, and, you know, that's part of the benefit of the process because, you know, although I know a lot about this issue, um, you know, I, I don't have the insight as, uh, of, you know, the DOC, you know, mm-hmm. director or, um, you know, members of law enforcement who are involved with, uh, you know, enforcing these laws. So we have the ability to take input and, and, and determine how most efficiently and most reliably to, uh, effectuate these ends and hey i've got to get going here in a second but uh that's um, quite that's quite all right you've been i mean yeah i know a couple of you have a time schedule um just to uh answer to uh lisa we we have spoken uh to what what is it called the uh the canna convict project project. and that's (laughs) that's why that's why i was asking that question because that was one of the uh, one of the things that was brought up as as kind of sometimes a hindrance in um, finding individuals is that unless the family gets involved and comes and says, hey, my cousin, my husband, my brother, my father, my aunt, you know, whatever, um, then they, a there's a hard time finding them in the system. There's a hard time finding these individuals in the system. I, I think I think um, have been have been a a can of short-term can of prisoner. I don't think there would be much difficulty in word spreading amongst <laughs> prisoners about how um, they're going to get out of jail. If they have a right. can of, of course, of course yeah. that part too. Uh, but, but also we know that they aren't listened to. Uh, they are ignored oftentimes. Yes, so, absolutely. That's, you know, yeah. you know, that's, there, there, there are structural issues in, our corrections uh, institutions mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. that are far beyond the scope of what we're trying to do here with cannabis, right? Like, right. Right now, it is impossible to hire anyone to work in a prison. Like, you know, the job sucks. 
you're at risk of violence. You're, you know, you get paid like shit. Right? Yeah. And so now we have in state of Missouri right now, we have prisons where, you know, we have 30% short staffing shortages, right? So um, it is seen as a imperative that we find ways to reduce our prison population. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of issues that are kind of in the background here, but you know, it's important to understand them and have people at the table providing input on these kind of bills to who do understand the larger reality of corrections in, in our state. Right. Um, I encourage anybody listening to this podcast, it's in Missouri, please get involved. Um, even, even before you uh, do leave us, can you tell us how, um, uh, just, uh, I guess, last thoughts from you, um, how people can maybe get involved um, and how they can maybe get in touch with you? Um, to, yeah, so uh, with the Tim's group, um, you know, we're kind of trying to do some list building. So I'm going to post a link here in the comments and maybe you can share it. Um, but our political action committee, which is Crossing Paths uh, Political Action Committee, um, and Tim's group, which is Missouri Marijuana Legalization Movement, uh, we're partnering to uh, kind of create a list of voters and activists all around the state. And we've gotten a ton of responses, but, you know, we always need um, more people to sign up. And that really, it's really important because, for instance, we have someone who voted against her bill who's running for state senate. You know, I'm not going to talk about that individual right now on the uh, on the on the podcast, but you know, if that you know that that individual is going to have another opportunity to vote yes in her bill, and if they don't, you can be damn sure I'm going to get every activist I can find in that that in that guy's next uh, in that guy's political district, and we're going to show up in November and tell everyone in his county to say you know just say no to this guy right you can share his name now we're we're not we're okay with it (laughs) we we will we will we will you know we like a little controversy around here wait till ethan's gone i'll tell you (laughs) (laughs) i don't mean to be be disingenuous here but like i said we don't want to threaten anyone before they've had the chance to make good right and 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 there's still time in the process and maybe they'll come around and and see, you know, hey, this was a mistake to vote this way. You know, mm-hmm. we shouldn't be trying to slow this this uh, legislation down. We should be trying to push it forward faster, right? So I don't want to get you know too adversarial with anyone right now, but you you better believe, you know, after the legislature is uh, uh, done, you know, May thirteenth, we will take a look, you know, who was our friend and who was our enemy, yeah. right? and we're not going to forget. We're not going to forget. We're going to we're going to we're going to keep that list of names. We're going to build our base. We're going to talk to every voter in the state of Missouri we can find. We're going to raise money. And that's one thing that we got to do is we got to we got to raise money. You know, those political yeah. you know move, political movements. You know, we got a lot of volunteers, but we got to have some people who are professionals working with us. Right. Right. We're going to raise money. We're going to show up in every district where we need to have a have, to have our faces known. You know, we're going to fund candidates that we like, and we're going to uh, fund the candidates um, who oppose the candidates we don't like, you know? Right. So, you know, like, hell, you know, there's a, there's a couple lawmakers I know who are up for election. I know they're never going to vote, vote with us just because, you know, um, they don't like marijuana. That's fine. But heck, I will write a check to their opponent, just, you know, sight unseen, just because I know that, you know, anyone's better than someone who's going to make a, 
make that decision, right? <laughs> this is what we're talking about when we talk about these things, because we talk about this all the time. Like, it is really important to know who you're voting for, know what they stand for. And um, and if they're not standing for you, the person that is their constituent or their future constituent, then fund the other guy, then support the other guy, then I'll put your this. walking shoes on for the other guy. I'll say this, you know, Donald or Trump gal. You know, I'll say, let me, let me say this real quick. You know, Donald Trump knows the only thing that's more popular in the state of Missouri than Donald Trump is, is marijuana. Right. <laughs> See? <laughs> I, I want to touch on even talking about the money thing. And uh, so me and Christina and a few others have been the only people that have been down there lobbying, literally mm -hmm. walking into the um, reps and senators' offices. We don't get paid. And, and, and I'm not, this is about over, but we need it. We need to have people in those offices. We need phone calls. And Ethan said, he's going to leave the, the, um, you left the link, correct? Ethan, yes, is that what I mean? But, but uh, in nonetheless, it, it takes money to pay people to lobby as well. Ethan can't walk into every one of those offices down there and he's busy as hell. Um, he consumed a lot of time. So there, there does need to be people paid, to lobby all these legislators mm -hmm. and let them know what their constituents think about this and let them know like organizations like mine that will, will, will put you on blast if you are against this, you know, um, and cause that they need their constituents more than they need that money. And they're not going to get that money if they're, if they don't have a job. And I just want to, I want to say to full transparency on this show, if you're listening to the show and you want, like we, everybody here is uh, in support of the house bill, 2704 that seems to be the bill that is for the people more than for the corporations sounds like corporate bill uh, or corporate uh, uh, ballot initiative uh, for the people is the legislation that's what it sounds like to me but if you want to come on the show if you're hearing me and you want to come on the show and have that conversation and tell us why we're wrong we will be happy to listen to you. Um, I'm obviously going to bring one of these lovely guests back, uh, but this was an open call for anybody who wanted to come on to talk about either legal Missouri or House Bill um, 2704, which is mm -hmm. also what was the what were you calling it? The Cannabis Freedom Bill is that what the called? Cannabis Freedom Act? The Cannabis Freedom Act, which is also yeah. called the Cannabis Freedom Act, so uh, interchangeable there. Um, the House Bill. Um, so yeah, I mean. Absolutely, absolutely. We would love. I was to. hoping that you would have somebody on here. I was too. I was. I would love to. That. <laughs> How can a regular person differentiate? Because you know we're we're throwing these terms around. We've clarified. But if you're signing a petition, I'm sorry. Don't, but sign, if you're signing, don't sign a petition. That's, no. Don't sign that's anything. <laughs> because don't that's, sign that's what don't gets it on the ballot. Everyone. That's what we're and, saying. And we're relying on our legislators to take it's care of the workforce. It's rare that we say that. It's rare that we say that. You're right, right, right. I mean, look, like I said, I myself have collected tens of thousands of signatures over the years trying to get ballot initiatives through. This year, I'm saying if you're signing that if you're signing your signature to a ballot initiative, um, you're you're for that monopoly. You're supporting that monopoly that put mm -hmm. the whole entire marijuana monopoly together and, and to continue to support it. So it's really easy to separate. Don't sign nothing. Don't sign Don't anything sign. Yeah. in this particular instance. And there, there, if, there is one other. I, listen, I want to be clear, too. Um, there is one other initiative out there. Yes, please. Um, FAM, which they don't Fair have access, enough things. They, they don't have enough signatures out there. So it's I, 
it's kind of it's kind of hard to say don't sign a petition when you know you want these guys to win you know you want they're, they're, they've got a decent ballot initiative again they went through the same things i did found out that it that it takes money to get this done and it takes supporters and it takes mm-hmm. special interests to get it through so that's why i've moved from ballot initiatives are bad to let our lawmakers do this. You know, I, Hey, right. I'm, I was all I, up until a few weeks back when I started, well, a couple of months now in my organization, it was against the rules to mention a politician by, or a party that was part mm. of my rules. And it's kind of crazy that this has all changed now that, you know, mm. I just, I don't want to call them lesser T evils, but yeah, you know? no, I feel what you're saying. I was actually quite surprised that this uh, bill was sponsored by a Republican because oftentimes when we see negative political press about cannabis, it is always coming from a Republican. So I was really happy and surprised. I was actually hoping that uh, Ron Hicks could join us, but um, hopefully we'll be able to talk to him and maybe get on his schedule um, and and have him on the show to come, you know, chit chat yeah, with us. Come on, come we'll, on, we'll pressure come on him to, to do uh, it. He'll... Come on up to Jeff City sometime. Oh, you know, don't don't invite me to a good time. <laughs> we'll have to coordinate. You know, I will get in my car trip. right now, and I will be in Missouri. Um, okay. Well, hey, hey guys, I'm out. I got I got to run. Uh, thank thanks you so much, Ethan. Thanks for joining thanks, us. Ethan. We'll have you back right. again soon. For sure, we will. Absolutely. Um, so on that note, if it's okay, I would like to clarify something as far as, you know, like how citizens can differentiate between what they're being told. So again, don't sign anything. That is the most important thing. But here is um, what, one of the biggest problems that I, so I will tell you, I get very passionate about this issue um, love it. Love it. <laughs> um, to the point, and, and, and one of the biggest issues that I have with it is that Legal Missouri 2022 is outright lying to the people who they are trying to get signatures from. So there was an event in the Ozarks. Uh, the Missouri Cannabis Convention basically is what um, uh, uh, Daniel Jones, Waxy Brown, had put on in the Ozarks um, a couple weeks ago. And the people that were gathering signatures refused to tell what ballot initiative they were gathering signatures for. So I walked up to the table and I said, what, what is this for? And they said, oh, it's for legalizing marijuana in Missouri. I said, okay, but what's the name of the initiative? And they were like, well, it's the one that, that lets people get expungements. And I said, no, what is the name of the initiative? They were like, well, we don't know. I gave them the benefit of the doubt. And I grabbed one of the petitions and read through it, you know, because I'm very familiar with Legal Missouri 2022's initiative. Um, And I said, no, this is Legal Missouri 2022, you know, and they were like, oh, well, you know, we we don't know all that. And as the woman was leaning over to um, to get the packet, you know, and put it back where it was, I saw her name tag. The backside of it had been flipped around backwards. It said Legal Missouri 2022 on it. You know, like that, that to me, misrepresenting what it is that people are signing that's not okay we're not i'm not for that at all and i will get very vocal yeah i get very vocal about it um you know just because i i don't think that that's right that's what happened with the medical monopoly you know so and i've had i've had dozens of people in the group reach out to me and tell me you know that they had similar experiences um asking signature collectors what initiative it is and these people refuse to say it and it's because they're 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 being met with so much opposition to say the ballot. Your chest. If this is what you stand behind, say it yeah. with your chest. Say it with Absolutely. your whole 
checks. I, I think a lot of them. Don't, I think a lot of them don't even know what they are collecting signatures for. Yeah, uh, so just, one one big right. thing that's going on right now. <clears throat> I, there's a good that. chance that they might not get enough signatures to get to the ballot. But yeah, there's totally. there's something really odd about that. Um, the medical initiative made it in two and a half months. Mm-hmm. It got from they so they were they were um, had a ballot going through didn't collect signatures on it and then so it was coming up towards almost the end of the year and I was like there's no way they're gonna get enough signatures mm-hmm. honest to God January came around so then the signatures are, are due May eighth and mm-hmm. um, it came around to the end of the year or the beginning of the year and January was almost all the way through and finally they got a ballot initiative approved from the Secretary of State and I'm like why you're not gonna get enough signatures. They got enough signatures in just a few months mm-hmm. um, because they had um, the people standing behind them at the time that didn't know any better. Yeah. Now, they collected, I think, close to um, a half million dollars over the weekend. Yes. And they're, paying, they're paying people $25 an hour and $3 a signature and giving them free trips to Wally World because yeah. uh, well, uh, because they're well, that, that, why not? Right. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah, they're 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 struggling. It's my hope anyway that they are struggling to collect signatures. You know, just because, and it, it's not that I'm, and and this is the this is a, a big distinction that we need to make. A lot of people think that the advocates who are fighting against legal Missouri 2022 are against legalization, and that is not the case at all. We want legalization very oh, much right. so. We, we just want, want it, done it done right. the right yeah. way. You know, and on the note of um, expungement. Um, you know, I know that that, that Epen was talking a little bit about that, but um, Representative Ashley Bland Manlove is working very closely with Representative Hicks. You know, both of these people are um, are. It, it, this is a bipartisan um, you know team right here. You know, you have Ashley and you have Ron. They are on opposite sides of the spectrum. You would think, but they have partnered together on this issue because of how important it is. And um, you know, as far as expungement goes, you know, she is on top of it. I've worked with her um, pretty much since I since I first started going up to the Capitol. You know, she was one of the first representatives that I met. And she is uh, she is on top of this. You know, um, every single person. I mean, we, 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 we know that um, that prohibition has um, disproportionately affected minor- the min- minority community. And, um, you know, part of what we are fighting for is equality. We want to see everyone who has been hurt by by prohibition made right we want to see this made the made whole you know so and if you want to get involved again you know to really stress the importance of this we have the right to get involved every single voter in missouri has the right to speak up you know but it's not going to happen if you don't actually do it you know i go up to the capitals yeah, Nobody has I, to be paid to be able to walk into any one of those offices. All they have mm-hmm. to do is go down there to the Capitol and walk into any one of the senators or representatives. They don't have to be effective. their own representative or senator. That's probably the most effective way. But I want I, everybody yes. to remember, too, that, that that's what we need to do if we want to uh, speak with Governor Paulus. We got to just go. Yeah, we got to go to his office. Yeah, well, maybe we do. Um, we? Well, the, gov- <laughs> the, governor, the governor's office is one little bit harder to get into, yeah, but the rest yeah. of them. You can just knock on the door um, and walk on so, in pretty much. So here's the thing, you guys. Politicians are kind of a, a different breed of animal, okay? Yeah. So your normal means of talking to other people is not necessarily going to be as effective 
with a politician, say your emails, for example. Okay. Um, but showing up or making phone calls mm -hmm. or ooh, writing a letter and sending it in. Yes. yes. Those are effective means because let's face it. A lot of them tend to be uh, older than they should be while still in office. And um, the ones that are not older than they should be still live in a kind of an antiquated place. We, we've, been, we've, we've ran into very little resistance of people that were, in fact, I, I think Christina will agree that I don't think there's anybody that was against the um, release to prisoners and expungement. Have you ran into that at all, Christina? I haven't myself. Okay, so I have run into a couple of representatives who um, still seem to think that criminals deserve to be in in jail or in prison. Um, these are people. The, the, these are are definitely, uh, you know, people who are still part of the reefer madness era. Mm -hmm. Um, people who still believe, you know, that people who smoke weed are schizophrenics and, you know, all of that. Um, you know, my hope is like what Ethan said, we still have the opportunity to reeducate these people. And my point that I was going to make before Ethan left was, um, you know, the, the issue of legalization, it needs to be our litmus test who we vote in if if a legislator is unwilling to listen to the people about marijuana legalization they do not deserve to be in office no they do not if, absolutely they're not going to listen about something as as benign something as innocuous as cannabis they do they're not going to listen to us about anything else anything else so, at all the point yeah. that I was bringing up the, that that it was few and far between the people that so the majority the, the major majority of the people wanted um, prisoners yeah. released and expungement and I, mm -hmm. so I just wanted that to th that people to know where society is with this and where the law yes there are there are the reefer madness people still out there and our lawmakers especially but um, overall and the, and, the, and these lawmakers know that the majority of people they know they know these polling numbers. Oh you know? yeah. They Yes, they do. And one of the, and you know, this, this is the funny thing. So legal Missouri 2022, they walk in there and they start talking about the black market and they're like, Oh my gosh, if you don't put, if, if you don't put license caps on the market in Missouri, we're going to end up like Oklahoma. Oh and the funny thing about this is just over the last few weeks, um, it's kind of been more publicized that a Missouri <laughs> cultivator was caught importing weed from Oklahoma and selling it to licensed dispensaries here. So That's a licensed a cultivator, a licensed cultivator imported, I think it was about a thousand pounds of weed from Oklahoma and slipped it into the, uh, into, into the market here in Missouri. So they're, they're, they're worried about black market on, you know, regular people doing the black market, but it's okay for them. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe lower your prices and maybe lower your prices and uh, um, you, you wouldn't some. have that problem, you know, because literally what, the, what was the guy? There was one guy that testified. I don't know his name. Christina, maybe you do, but it's irrelevant. And he says, I, I spent twenty nine million dollars in this and I and I have to get a loan because I'm so far. Oh, really? You're, you make, you you spent 20, you had $29 million to spend and you're bitching because you ain't making enough money in the marijuana market. You know, uh -huh. you can suck at it. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The part of the problem with the, uh, well, we, we, we have some commentary on, um, black market. So, uh, I prefer calling it dark. One of our commenters says, I prefer calling it underground actually, mm-hmm. because it's, it is underground it, and, yes. and it doesn't have, you know, cause they always want to put negativity on us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, with what you're saying is you're absolutely correct is that, um, you're you're creating this market actually with your prices and your taxes and your um your limited access mm-hmm. um your creating- really aren't doing that well i They're read really a not. comment that um someone was say or one of their was saying that the um not having a cap on licenses would lead to all of that right? no we already have it and here's here's the point there. that happening yeah, yeah. Here, here's a point that I thought was interesting. And um, on our, our Facebook group, I actually posted the link to the article that I got these numbers from. But in the first like 11 months of 12 months of the program, uh, according to this news article, our program made $113 million. So an ounce of weed is uh, around $400. It averages about $400. If you take $113 million and you divide it by four ounces per month, because every patient's allowed to have four ounces per month, Divide that by $400 per ounce. Ultimately, that $113 million represents about 6,000 patients. 6,000 patients times $400 an ounce times four times 12. That equals $113 million. Okay. 6,000 can like afford, right, right. If it was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so at the time that, uh, at the time that this article came out, there were 170,000 registered patients in Missouri. So think about the discrepancy that we have there. We are missing an astronomical amount of money. Even if not every patient, if every patient just bought one ounce per month, we should have made 831 million, about eight, eight, about a little over 800 million. Just Greenway Magazine reported a couple of days ago. That, their math. What was that? Missouri's a million dollar a day right now is what we're making. In cannabis, a million dollars a day. That was reported by Greenway Magazine, I don't know, about four days ago. Okay. So here's the thing, is that the high prices are going to drive the underground market. Those numbers seem a little fudged to me, but I mean, it could be, it's probably because people aren't shopping on the, on the regulated market. They can't afford to. Um, And, and as far as like, import export i oh i had a question about that did they let did they let this uh operator keep and maintain this imported product no no so what they ultimately did so dhss um froze all of the products that were tied back to this particular um you know import issue that happened um currently the dispensary that purchased the product from the cultivator who, who imported this illegally, they're suing them. You know, they're suing this illegal importer and they're saying, oh, we didn't know. We, we, we bought this, you know, weed from you for $500 a pound. Okay, even though right now, even though right now in Missouri, the average, uh, the average cost of legal weed in Missouri is around 2,500 up to $4,000 a pound. But they bought it for $500 a pound and they did not know that it was illegal. They didn't know there was black market. Yeah, that's I mean, it was moldy is why they got how they got caught. 
If you buy a Rolex, I'm in New York City right now. If I'm walking down the uh, down the street, somebody offers me a Rolex for a hundred bucks. Then we know. I mean, that. come on now. Oh yeah, yeah that's one hundred percent legit, right? I want you to. Know? I wanted to answer. Um, Lisa had has asked this question before, but I think the answer is still not going to be to your liking because. Um, uh, but the question was uh, earlier uh, posed that if if Missouri takes cannabis off of Schedule One, would it change like the HUD rules, the housing rules? And I'm going to say probably not because those are under federal jurisdiction yeah. and yeah. and not state. So HUD is under federal. Um, so unfortunately, unless the president mm-hmm. and his vice president stay true to the word that they gave us when they were elected to yeah. sign into legislation, decriminalization mm-hmm. for the entire United States, expungement, and also would include descheduling yeah. um, cannabis. I'll, I'll be the devil. Unless it happens on the federal level, then it yeah. doesn't affect any of those types of programs. I will say, though. State program, unless you're working with like a state program as opposed to yeah. a federal program. I will say, though, that uh, the Cannabis Freedom Act makes it illegal to disclose who is on the list, basically. So if you're a medical patient, if you are registered anywhere as a cannabis consumer, it is illegal for anyone to disclose that information to anyone. And the other thing too is um, as far as cultivation goes, right now in the state of Missouri, if you're a medical patient and you want to cultivate, you have to get a license, which means you have to register your name on a government list and you have to waive your fourth amendment rights. You have to sign an agreement that says that you will grant DHSS, a state entity, on-demand access to your private property, okay, without reason. They don't have to have a reason. If they say, we want to come into your house because you're growing and we want to take a look at your grow, you don't have a choice. You have to let them in. Under the Cannabis Freedom Act, right now, you do not have to register if you want to grow your personal cultivation limit. You know, you don't have to put your name on a a government list. You also don't have to waive any Fourth Amendment protections. You know, so while while HUD housing may not actually be addressed by this because it's on a state level, at least it does offer some protections about disclosure. You know, Um, you may be a cannabis consumer, but you're not no one's going to be able to tell whoever you're applying to, you know, or that that that's what you are. If that makes sense. That makes. Yeah. Um, the, so, uh, yeah, Lisa, you wouldn't be able to grow, um, under that because again, it's mm-hmm. a federal, um, uh, jurisdiction situation. Yeah. Um, that's one thing uh, that Missouri, that, that, um, um, 2704 does is so when federal does apply, so every state's got its own constitution, got its right, own drug exactly. schedule. Um, what would happen is we've made all the provisions for, um, to work with the federal government. So when they do legalize, Missouri would be the first not to have to change their constitution and their laws because we've yeah. already opened up to commerce to yeah. do with the federal government. The, yeah. the other the other thing would be, the other thing that uh, I would say would be uh, an, an advance that Missouri could do is include an import-export uh uh, yeah. 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 That is, that is something. So, all right. And again, we're going to do a comparison here. So under, uh, under the cannabis freedom act, any business is allowed to engage in, in commerce, you know, um, if, if federal legalization happens, if it becomes legal, 
um, under under the constitutional amendment, Legal Missouri 2022, only the members of the monopoly are going to be allowed to do it. You know, so if they 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 included they I know right they included a provision in there that says that only people who are currently part of the the monopoly are going to be allowed to engage in any kind of interstate commerce if federal legalization happens. You know, so that is a huge what the a class system within. I know, the no, it's like literally they're creating a class system within the industry. Yes, absolutely. When I said that, when I, when I said I would use my group to um, to uh, expose the medical monopoly, that's what I did. And I did that for some. And then it finally come down to the end to where this was going to be it. And then we had a Brad Bradshaw. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what we yeah. were going through in Missouri that we had. So we had to, we had a choice and it was going to be one guy who was going to be the marijuana czar or it was mm-hmm. going to be um, new approach. I call it Which Legal Missouri, Missouri, 22. Missouri 22. It's all three, the same people. It has been the yeah. same people since 2012. And this is why I got so frustrated and I'm, and I started exposing them. And I've said this many times, but people can go to the Missouri marijuana legalization movement group and use the keyword search monopoly. And I was saying this was a monopoly since um, 2015 when I started the organization. And you can you can see thousands of times where I said this is a monopoly. This is a monopoly because I've seen the same players doing the same things and right. reading their rules. And these rules were all written for them. And yeah, I, I just, nobody paid attention to what they were signing and reading and voting mm-hmm. for. I voted no against medical. People wanted me to go to hell for that because I voted no against medical. I wanted I it, right? sensible legalization. Real legalization. And so this is what we're talking about, too. Like, look at the medical program and how it's been kind of fucked up in Missouri. Not kind of. I'm being nice. But and then right. And then so then it's difficult to like change. And then now it's now it's going to be difficult to change those things. Yes. Yep. Yeah. You can't change it. It's it's a constitutional amendment. Yeah. A constitutional amendment. What people need to take away from this is one. Do not sign anything. You know, Fair Access Missouri's um, initiative, it's a better option than Legal Missouri 2022. It's still extremely confusing. And because the signature gatherers aren't being honest about it, just across the board, do not sign anything. In Missouri. What, if you want, if you, in Missouri, in Missouri, yes. Um, if you want legalization to happen. First, if you're going to sign something, but like understand what you're reading, understand what you're yes, saying. But in Missouri, absolutely, yeah. for yeah, legalization, I mean, don't sign anything. Yes, if, if if you do all the reading, if you do all of the research and you decide that you do still want to sign this, then that is your right completely. But at least be educated on it first. You know, that right, is that right, is my right. point. Don't sign anything before you fully understand it. We'll put that right. in there for clarification. The medical initiative then, have, has 16, 16 pages of regulations. Um, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, an amazing Freeman, uh, you are late to the party, my man. Uh, it, it we are an hour and 53 minutes into this conversation, but uh, when you watch it on the playback, it explains all of why she just said what she said. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 so absolutely. That's, that's so, um, and then, show, man. yeah, I also have, um, I also have a brief summary, an easy to read summary pinned in our Facebook group. Uh, mm-hmm. show me Canna Freedom 
on Facebook. It is a very simple line by line comparison. Um, you know, and, and here's another important thing to note. Uh, a lot of people, whenever, whenever the Cannabis Freedom Act or HB 2704, when it came out of committee, a lot of people were really upset about the amendments that um, our opponents managed to try slipping in there. You need to understand these amendments are not permanent. Okay, so right now we are not panicking. We're not freaking out. We knew this was going to be a fight. We need to call our legislators and make sure they know we don't want these amendments in there. So right. just be aware okay. it's not permanent. So right now in our group, though, we have this line by line comparison to explain that. Yeah. And the other takeaway from this, don't sign the petition unless you know what you're signing. And then the second thing is, if you want this to happen, call your legislators for the love yes. of God. If you have not ever made a phone call, sent an email, gone to the Capitol in your life. Now is the time now to do the it. The, now uh, time. Ethan was saying there's five weeks. We have five weeks, five weeks. right? So start oh, like every day, you guys, you guys, listen, we talk about this all the time, but, okay. and I'm guilty too. scroll, 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 scroll. We spend all this time on our phone. Do something with that time. Take five minutes, yes. three minutes, whatever it takes Call your legislator, tell them you're in favor of HB 2704 minus whatever amendments. Educate yeah. yourself. You have we, to know. You Do talk you, about on the five your weeks. website or on your links. Do you have legislator telephone numbers? Yes, I was going to say. So I have a I have a full copy and paste email list for all of our um, for all of our representatives and our senators. Um, I'm also working on a copy and paste email that people can use, but it is much more effective if you use your own words. If obviously, you know, if you're you're not comfortable crafting an email or, you know, um, having a phone conversation about this, that's fine. You can use the copy and paste form, but it is always better to use your own words. You know, but that is also available on the group. It's pinned in the group. Show me can of freedom. Show me I wanted to add on freedom. something that you said about the uh, amount of time. Um, the uh, um, um, legal 22 only has three weeks left themselves. Um, so yeah. both these campaigns are just about over with. But what's positive mm -hmm. about them and having the end in three weeks, if they if they lose and give up, that gives the legislators that's much more power. Actually, Governor Parson said he wanted mm -hmm. a legislative option. Wanted, 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 a, wanted, yeah. wanted some marijuana legislation. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not. I, I think we have a really good chance. Option. But because I think. But I think once we don't get enough signature, or once not we, once they don't get enough signatures, hopefully if that's what happens. That's a, that's an easy way for the release me and Christina's job until November. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I've been, I've been going to the Capitol. Um, like I said, I'm out, I'm out of town right now for, for, for a couple of weeks. But um, basically, you know, even before the Cannabis Freedom Act was filed and it was literally just me, you know, I went up to the Capitol almost every other week, you know, um, to talk to our legislators. You can literally walk right in as long as your legislator is not in a meeting or on the floor, um, you know, in session, you can walk right into the office. And talk to them about this. You and know, they'll tell you to come back if they're not there. They'll tell you when they'll be there. They'll tell you to come back. <laughs> Y'all, not just in Missouri. Not just right. in Missouri. Yeah. You're right. You can do your, any. Anyone can do this. Your any right. This yes. is Absolutely. your right Absolutely. to talk to your representation. It is yes. your right to be able to speak directly to the people who represent you. Absolutely. It, it's not. It's not bad to do it all. It actually makes yeah. you feel pretty good when you've done it. Literally. Mm -hmm. yeah.
and and your influence matters like everybody you know a lot of a lot of people think you know well whatever i say doesn't matter if you show up in this person's uh, office like once a week or once a month or whatever they're gonna get to know you they're gonna see you come yeah. They're either going to be happy to see you or not happy to see you, but either uh, way, some of them lock their doors when they know that I'm in there. Either way, you're creating a reaction and you're creating a thought process in their heads. They yeah. have to think about you now and they have to think about what you're about. And one, you know, for okay, I have a quick story about something like this. When I was younger, I worked uh, for a company that was an outsourcing company and I worked as a runner for a law firm. So I would take all important documents. I would take them to the courthouse, other law firms, mm -hmm. et cetera. Right. This is what I did. I get signatures. I come back or, you know, whatever. I was working in this law firm and there was an older attorney and he wore a seersucker suit and I was, I don't know. I don't know why I just loved that so much, but I was just like, for some reason that was because he was different, you know, nobody wears your sucker suits. And so he was wearing this suit and uh, every morning, every morning I would see him in the hallway and I would say good morning to him. I would mm -hmm. say good morning. I would greet him in the morning and he would not say anything to me. And my coworkers were like, don't bother with him. He doesn't mm -hmm. speak to anybody, blah, 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 blah. And one day after like mornings and mornings and mornings of this, mm -hmm. I mean, it was weeks. It was definitely at least weeks of this. One day I said, good morning to him. And he said, good morning. Wow. So he actually responded. He responded to me. Um, and, and in a future time, he laughed at a joke I made. So like, you know what I'm saying? It just yeah. takes a little bit of persistence just yeah, be right. there be in be the person and you don't have to be unpleasant you can just say this is what i believe and i would like you to represent me as your yeah. constituent this is what i believe i would like you to represent me as your constituent so right. you know what i'm saying that's it that's all you got to do yeah um, you're completely right yeah be persistent if this is what you listen this is a life lesson for everybody if this mm -hmm. is what you want be persistent Yep, absolutely. The tax attorney used to be about donations and money, but now mm -hmm. they're realizing it is about their constituents. And there's and the, again, the yep. tides have changed and their constituents are for legalization. Yeah. And they know this. It's an, it's an election year. They, they know. They know. We have the ability to basically force their hand this time around because it's an election year. You know, we can actually make this happen, but it does require everyone speaking up. You can't sit back and say, well, I don't have to send an email because, you know, Christina's oh walking yeah. around the Capitol. Yeah. You know, Christina goes once a week, you know, she'll tell them. No, no. like I'm one person. I have one voice. Yeah. You know, I need yeah. everyone else behind me. Yeah. You know, representation matters, too. And and numbers mm -hmm. matter. Those numbers matter. If yeah. you got one person versus I got 12 people, that's a different mm -hmm. conversation altogether. Um, yeah. Be be a part of the process. If, if yep. this is what you want, you've got to be a part of the process. You have to be there. Your voice has to be heard. And it's it's super simple. You can call your um, representatives. Um, what I wanted to say, too, about election year, it is an election year. 
The most important elections, ladies and gentlemen, are coming right now. The most important ones. The national election is not the most important election. The local elections that you have every year in your little county or in your city, those are very, very important Mm because those individuals are directly representing you and what's going on in your city and your town and in your state. And Mm -hmm. in, you know, what I'm saying, so, so like, um, vote for those individuals. Mm-hmm. The president kind of has to usually, for the most part, listen to those representatives mm-hmm. from those states because yep. they represent us, right? So, so those are the individuals that we need to yep. have uh, get elected. And actually, my man, love the the gal that we've been the representative we've been working with. She actually called the president what about three weeks ago, Christina. Yep. And, and she she her. yeah, she she sent out yeah, her she's a uh, so Ashley Bland Manlove, she is um the uh the chair of the Legislative Black Caucus in Missouri and she did she she called on the president to honor his campaign promise, you know, and and decriminalize legalize federally. Yes. You know, she she is able to do that as a representative. So, you know, if if for some reason someone other than her had been elected, you know, who's to say that they would have done the same thing? You know, you need to know who you're voting for before you vote for them. Exactly. You know, don't just blindly vote across the party. You know, you need to know who they are. And most importantly, if they are not going to listen about something like this, they're not going to listen to you about other things. Anything. You know, yeah, and, and I would, and I would vote for Ron Hicks and I would vote for um, Ashley. Ashley's mm-hmm. a Democrat and Ron Hicks is a Republican. That, and that's how we should vote. And that's how we should vote based on what they represent and what they stand for. And and here's the thing. Um, both of you have said you can walk right in to your state representative's office as long as they're not in a meeting and they'll just be like, come back later or whatever. Um, you can walk into those individuals' office. You know whose office you can't walk into? The president of the United States yeah. office. You know whose office they can walk into? The president of the United yeah. States office. That's- so you need to be in their office because That's- they have the capability and the so they have the direct line. Yep. Exactly. Yes, exactly. you're 100% right. Yeah. Exactly that. Um, Lisa, I, I, so we're, we, we've hit our two hour mark. Um, so I just wanted to say one thing, cause Lisa was asking a question. I didn't want to leave it hanging in the air. So with federal legalization, I can't promise that HUD is going to jump on board and be like, yay, grow some plants in our apartments and yay, be on board yeah. with that. But I am saying that there is a better chance of that, yes. that a federally run program would, would allow um, state provisions, mm-hmm. legal state provisions to happen um, as long as you had the proper documentation. Um, so it's a possibility, but yes. that's also, you know, our, our next, our next fight definitely needs to be on the federal level. You know, if we can, if we can all join together and make this happen in Missouri, imagine what would happen if we had everyone in every single state join together and tell our federal government, we aren't voting for your asses unless you do what we are asking you to do. You know, what kind of impact would that have? And you the know, way we want to do it and not the way they want to do it. We have exactly. to do There's about five people of us that got that, that were involved. And Christina, she knew I had a huge organization. We started talking and finally we agreed to work with each other because we didn't realize we were on the same page. But between a couple of representatives and what Christina did and me seeing what Christina did grew to now being on the house floor of 
further than any state in the United States. Again, nobody has ever asked to remove cannabis from the drug schedule. And mm-hmm. so what us, us few little peons have done mm-hmm. have taken it further than anyone ever has in the United States. We may not I have mean, it yet, but we've taken it further. Yeah, yeah. Within the second visit. So I went up there the very first time. You know, this was back in January. The very first time I went up there, had a conversation with some people. And then one phone call later, you know, I followed up with Representative Hicks right after that. And I ultimately ended up writing a piece of the legislation that ended up in the Cannabis Freedom Act. That was one in-person visit and one phone call. You know, that is how receptive people are to hearing from the cannabis community. You know, we are not a bunch of losers sitting in mom's basement anymore. You know, we are voters. We never we were. Are, you know, we, we have a right to be heard, you know, and it is time that people actually that are that are legislators put aside this antiquated, you know, stigma involving, you know, reefer madness and actually give us a voice, you know, and respect yeah. our voices. We're not, you know, we're not people to be ignored anymore, right. you know, and they need to see that they need to see every single citizen who is part of the cannabis community step up and tell them what we want and make sure they understand if they do not give us what we want, we're done with them. You know, I, I, would, I would like to argue that we were never a bunch of lazy stoners sleeping in our no, 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 we were, right. that, yeah. that was That's the stigma that they put on us because they're trying to keep it illegal and trying to make us look um, like we were lazy. Right. But like, if you really think about like, like really think about like some of the shit that hippies did, like, uh-huh. They were, there was no laziness yeah. there. And no. never successfully grown uh, more than one can. I mean, even one sometimes can be a challenge. But if you've ever at least success, if you've ever successfully grown multiple cannabis plants at the same time and gotten uh-huh. amazing results, that is not laziness. That no, is, it's that not. Is, that no. is like that is like attention to every single detail. Oh. Alarms are set for like. For yeah, like yeah, the temperature changes funky or the oh yeah, humidity, I know, I know all of that, and there's nothing lazy about it. There's there's I I had I had one I I had one representative talking about that in particular that 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 stigma about you know laziness and all of that, and they were like, well, what is the societal impact going to be of legalization? You know, it's our we we already have people who don't want to work. Oh, well, you know, so no, what no, happens no, when well, I'm sitting here going like, well, enjoy going we to work if they have like, legal access. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay, we live among you right now. Like we live here. among you. I mean, there, there, there are people who wake up in the morning and part of their daily routine getting ready in the morning is a whizinator. Okay. Like you're, you're, you're going to sit here and say that, that, that society doesn't have a place for people in the cannabis community. We're already here. We're here. We're already part here. of it. Yeah, you know, right. um, we've been afraid to speak up or be, you know, seen or heard until you know. And yes. now, you know now we are. You said something, here. Christina, at the beginning of the show, and I held on to this for probably just this specific moment. Um, here it is, ladies and gentlemen, moms and dads, mm-hmm. please open the door and walk your ass out of the cannabis closet, get out of it, get out of it, make yourself public. The only way we break the stigma is if you walk out of that closet and they see you who is a functioning 
uh, yep. uh, professional, professional. moneymaker, good parent. Yep. When they see the quality yes. of the person that you are and correlate that with the fact that yes. you yes. are a cannabis consumer, that is what changes the stigma. That is Absolutely. what does it. It's the people you know that change your mind about what you knew about people. Yes, it is. Absolutely. That. Take yep. an opportunity to educate, you know, yes. give someone a choice to uh, have an alternative therapy. You know, mm-hmm. if it's something isn't, hasn't been working for them and you see it, it's like, hello, share your Zen um, and, and how you got there. And um, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. That's the only way it's going to happen. Absolutely. Final thoughts. We'll start with you, Tim. Mm, well, no, thank you very much for having us. Number one, uh, two. I, you know, we 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 spoke on most of the topics, but uh, um, I myself am a commercial grower. I've been to several different states doing it, but you know what? I won't do it here in Missouri because I don't want to be part of the monopoly. And me and Christina are going to keep, me and Christina and several others, I'm sorry to miss all the names, Mark and uh, Ethan, we are going to continue to fight um, corruption, not just legalization, but the corruption that keeps legalization from happening. Absolutely. And where can we uh, find you and the groups? uh, So the uh, Missouri Marijuana Legalization Movement on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Is the easiest way to easiest way to contact me. I've kept it pretty simple, but like I said, I've got sixty three thousand people involved in there. Um, so been doing this for many many years and um, never gotten a dime for it. Don't want a dime for it. Just want legalization. Hell, I might not even might not even be part of the industry by the time it's all done. You know, it's just I've heard a lot. It's, of, it's a human right. It's a human rights issue. It's not a. Yeah. It's yeah. that's that's what it boils down to. Is it's really a human rights issue and how we've been cheated out of. A plant not to be cliche you know i will say i will say you're not the first uh person in the legal industry who has expressed frustration with missouri's legal industry and mm-hmm. um and it's and yeah uh do better missouri um so yes thank you and um christina final thoughts for you all you did not mention at the beginning uh that you are also a brilliant author so i just want to make sure that i mention it before Uh, but uh christina final thoughts um just you know get involved now is the time to get involved like epen said we only have a few weeks left we actually have control over this we can actually do so this is the closest that missouri has been to ending prohibition you know, and this is what I said at the rally. We had a rally um, at the Capitol March 29th. We're having another one coming up, you know, before this is over. But there are t- less than 200 people stand in the way of ending prohibition in this state right now. That is unbelievable. There's more of y'all than there are of them. Yes, we outnumber these people. Okay, we can make a difference, but it's not going to happen if we don't actually stand up and make our voices heard. So if they, if you walk away from this podcast with anything else or with 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 nothing else, let it be this. Speak up right now. You know, yeah. this is your chance 
to make a difference. And I am going to do everything in my power to make sure, you know, I, I have no idea if the Cannabis Freedom Act of HB 2704 is going to fail or if it's going to succeed. What I do know is that if it does fail, it will not be my fault because I'm doing everything I possibly can. And the rest of everyone else in the cannabis community, we need to have the exact same mindset, you know, do everything that we can. That way, if this doesn't work, we can say we gave it everything we had. Mm-hmm. So, and again, you know, my group fight again too. And come yes, back and yes. doing more exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And the, the, the group is show me can of freedom. Um, we're constantly updating, you know, what's going on with the cannabis freedom act. Um, like I said, there are a lot of resources, especially comparisons between, um, you know, legal Missouri 2022 and HB 2704 and my group and Tim's group, you know, we're all of these groups, we're all working together in this. A lot of that same information is also in uh, the Missouri Marijuana Legalization Movement. So and either place, and yeah, that's like it. a Canna Corner will post a lot, of, cross post a lot of this too. Absolutely. And, and yeah. we'll so, be playing this stream, which I don't know how I have a clue how to do so yet, but um, we'll be playing this stream gladly on our. On our yeah, I will send you the links once they're up. So uh, mm-hmm. it usually takes 24 hours for it to be uh, for the playback to be ready on YouTube. And then I'll have I'm actually going to post it um, tomorrow um, on our, our anchor channel, which is going to give us Spotify, Apple and awesome. uh, Google. So it'll well, be on good. That. I, I hope we can help. I hope we can help you guys keep up the good work. Really? Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, this is exactly uh, what we want to use our platform for uh, to legalize cannabis the right way across the country. I think Missouri can be a great example of that. I've always believed that. I've always believed that. Y'all go watch episode four, uh, episode four of season one. <laughs> Trust me, I've always believed that. I believe in Missouri, uh, that Missouri can do the right thing. And we love Missouri too. That. Yeah. I, the reason I believe that is because I know so many of the people that are pushing um, the efforts in Missouri and 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 being a part of the community and like really coming together, even even if they have differences coming together to make to make the right moves in Missouri. And I and I just I, I love it. Like from the from the beginning, um, I was invited out there um, for um, for a MoCan event. I was invited out there. And um, I came out and I met a bunch of wonderful individuals. And when I came out, um, I saw how the underground slash caregiver community was really, um, really the reason why there was an there there was a, a cannabis industry, if you will, in uh, in Missouri at that moment because there was nothing. There was no regulated stores open. There was nothing mm-hmm. available for the consumer, but it was legal to have. And so, so where are we going to get it? And it was the underground community that like came together as a network and provided this um, medicine. You can call it what you want, me- medical, adult use. It's all medicine, in my opinion. You go home and have a beer after working a hard day or a glass of wine and just de-stress. I go home and have a blunt. And mm-hmm. actually, I, I smoke a blunt all day, but you know what I'm saying. But <laughs> But the point is, is that Missouri is really inspiring to me. Every time I go to Missouri, and I think MJ can attest to this too, every time that we've been in Missouri, we come back so inspired. We want to do stuff, you know, like, so, um, so yeah, we love you guys and um, we're rooting for you guys for legalization the right way, for sure. And and hopefully Colorado can learn from it, even though we're, I mean, come on, Uh, hopefully we can, uh, you know, take some take some notes and and uh, <laughs> cross some lines over here. So when that import export stuff starts happening, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, the only state that has a import export right now is Oregon, but they're prepared mm-hmm. for legalization there and they're and they have an abundance. They have an, uh, an abundance of flour uh, that they're having a hard time getting rid of. And uh, then there's states like Pennsylvania who have uh, not enough to mm-hmm. to provide for the community like we need import export ability. Yeah, we do. Honestly. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining us, Uh, everybody. uh, We are going to be on this Wednesday, but we are going to be taking the 27th off because we're going to be actually on a radio program. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. So we'll share stuff so you can tune into that because it is live. Um, it yeah. Will be typically right around the time we would be doing our show, um, a kind of a crossover time. And so uh, you can tune in and, yeah. and join us live there. That's on 427. It's a little ways out, but we wanted to kind of give you guys a heads up because we know you set your alarms for us. Can't wait to share you guys' content. Uh, yes, absolutely. We'll share all of that stuff with you guys. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. And as always, everybody, you know, be nice to yourself. Put your mask on before assisting others. Yes, uh, definitely do that. Um, cultivate love. Bring it to you. Spread it around. We deserve it. (laughs) You deserve it. Open that door for love. And as always, everybody, stay lifted. We're going to see you on Wednesday at 420 Mountain Standard Time for the next show. Set your alarms and your alerts. We will see you next time. Thank you all so much for joining us. We love you. Thank you.